Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So here we are again. We thought we'd go back and do some more uh, gambling stories and cons- stories around casinos and whatever else back pops up. Back to our bread and butter. Back to the bread and butter. The, the, the ageless stuff. Yeah. So Josh is on daddy duties again. So we brought Duncan back in because uh, Duncan the donkey degenerate. He, <laughs> when a bit of these stories come out, they just uh, you just add another D moniker every time he comes on. First yeah. it was just uh, Dunk the degenerate poker player. Now we got Dunk the donkey degenerate poker player. Well, I, I believe that I'm referring to a, a on name uh, online pseudonym. Yeah, two plus two. Donk yeah. dunk. Donk dunk. dunk, there dunk. You go. I knew it was along those lines. I yes. might as well say it before anybody else does, right? Yeah, that's the most basic trap you can set. Yeah. It's putting a donk <laughs> in your, your handle. Exactly right. Um, now, before we started, you talked about the hierarchy of gambling. Yeah. So you mean as in, like, players? Players, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Like how they'll start off betting usually pokies or something, then they'll see blackjack and they'll realise that betting 10 bucks a hand and getting 10 bucks back is he's better than betting 90 cents a spin and getting 40 cents back. So pokies is the gateway. Yeah. So it's funny to see, especially young kids, because they'll start off like either pokies or, or horses or sports betting or something like that. But you're never getting like decent odds as in like two to one. Generally, you're getting like for a head-to-head race. A dollar sixty-five. Yeah, exactly. So there's that difference. When they'll go over to a, a proper gaming table where you see someone who's betting $10 and actually winning $10, it makes a huge difference to what you can win in sort of 20 minutes as opposed to playing pokies where... You put 20 bucks in there and you... I mean, generally, I remember my first time I played poker I was betting one cent spins, one line. Yeah. No fucking idea what I was doing. <laughs> and then you go to a blackjack table. Still no idea what you're doing, but you've won 10 bucks. You're like, holy shit, this is easy. It's yeah. so, so instant. Yeah, it's that, that beginner luck. And then you play... Well, then you get addicted. <laughs> and then you start uh, coming back and playing more and you realise this game's shit, the odds suck. And then they look at the roulette table you're like, ah, oh, so... 35 to 1. <laughs> That's not too bad. We'll give that one a go. But the, the funny thing with roulette players is that they are the worst gamblers in the actual building. Like I actually did experiments when I was dealing in Adelaide Casino where you've got the whole layout and they've got a bell. The best thing about the bell is that it's obviously loud. So when you've got no more bets, you ring the bell and people will like usually try and keep betting afterwards. But you can keep ringing the bell, just yelling at them, no more bets! And they get the picture. So, right. Or if like, well, that's a contact sport. So people always bump on each other and, and whatnot. So if the fight breaks out, you're like, ding, 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 round one. Everyone starts looking over. But so so, they, so you go you go from the pokies to blackjack to roulette chasing a thirty five to one so yeah. this, this ends with what chasing a lottery win we've pretty right yeah. no well, that's the thing is the roulette is the one that tips the scales because you can win a lot in a, a short amount of time but you don't ever look at how much you can lose in that short amount of time as well <laughs> so that can clean you out and then you realise oh, all right so the blackjack shit odds the roulette gets too expensive in the long run and you see people playing heaps of money on baccarat and you're like all right well they're here every day so they must know what's going on. And the funny thing is trying to explain Baccarat to white people. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, I've played this blackjack before. And the well, thing is, well, yeah. you start to explain to them, yeah, pretty much this game of heads or tails. You know, you're getting bet on play hand, which isn't necessarily your hand, or the bank hand, which isn't necessarily <laughs> my hand. And, uh, you know, and there's a tableau. And as soon as you say tableau, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, and just put their money down. And <laughs> one guy, he was playing on like a, a squeeze game. So he gets the cards, he gets to look at them. And um, 
I'm past cars that toy. We looked at it. We the table's in hit. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the tableau said they got another car anyway. So I just ran with it. I'm like, eh, fuck it, whatever. Just give another car. <laughs> he looks at it. He's like, oh, busted. I looked at it like his hand lost. So I just didn't tell him that he wasn't playing blackjack at all. Just took his money. He went, well, you did actually lose, but I can't be fucked dealing another hand to you. And the most confused look on his face was sort of like, this game's shit. <laughs> Walks off. It reminds me of uh, that movie, uh, Jane Austen's Mafia, which was by the Zucker Brothers. Uh, I don't remember so that one. It was a send-up of Casino and all that. Oh, right. And right. one of the games they had was You Lose. Oh, just, right. You hand the money over. I'm so sorry, sir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's Casino War. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen that. Casino War is pretty much the worst version of Blackjack you can get, where it's just, you get one card instead of getting two well, and a third That was chance. always the joke that War was one of the games. And yeah. then I think I actually saw it being played at Crown. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, they, it, it is played. Yeah. I and and Vegas has it as well now. I just thought it was yeah. one of those, you know, the ongoing jokes. Oh, I think that's how it started out. And then obviously the accountants were their hands on all the, the stats and went actually we can make some money out of this and, and that's they why do. they always put those around like the poker areas because poker players always want to get uh, money just to buy in again so like <laughs> quick games you know where you can just either get to get it or you're not and so that's why I have those little $5 casino wars or the isn't that always blackjack. amazing the mentality of a poker player because adamant every poker player is adamant it's not gambling like I'm yeah, in control right. I make the yeah. decisions and oh look there's blackjack I want to go play I need money quick <laughs> yep and I mean, generally they are the worst gamblers as well because they know the odds, and yet they still think they can beat them. It's like, <laughs> oh my god! Like this is like the the odds are all there, written on the table, literally. Yep. So you have no reason for actually losing those ones. I've become an absolute lover of pie gal poker. Of course, as, yeah. As, uh, as uh, um, clear your mind from all the ten hours of grinding playing poker and sit down and have a couple of drinks, yep. and it yeah. theoretically being inexpensive. Yeah, well, well, it is actually a pretty decent game when it comes to odds because a lot of times you just stand off or you yeah, push. Yeah, so. 70 odd percent of the time it's yeah. supposed to be a push, right? Yeah, and it's like heaps easier to cheat, <laughs> especially if you speak other languages. Well, not in the, in the poker ones, but in, when you're actually using the proper tiles. Right. Right. Are you using with cards or tiles? Uh, po- pug out poker rather than yeah. pug tiles. Yeah, um, people will mark the tiles and you can't see it to the eye, but it's just like oil off your fingers coming under there. Okay. So when the dealer shuffles on the table, you can see him glint from the, the lights, right. the bright lights of the table. So you can just see like the, the bonus hands or the bonus tiles, the big ones, yeah. um, where they're going to be. And if they speak like Vietnamese or Mandarin or Cantonese, they'll <laughs> collude the fuck out of the dealer. Right. <laughs> so that's why at the pie table with the tiles, it's literally like straight up, you cannot talk because otherwise they'll clean you out. It happens yeah. all the time. But that's the funny thing with cheating as well is that not only do you have to, I mean, you have to get away with it, but also you have to find a dealer that actually gives a shit enough to actually to report you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I never understood that people who try and cheat are generally huge cunts to the dealers. And it's like... <laughs> You can get away with most of what you're trying to do if you were just nice to the dealers because they'd be like, well, it's not my money, man, and I don't care. I'm going on a well, break in 20 when, minutes. When you say that, the ones that get caught are the cunts. Oh, exactly. Yeah, so. generally. Because the biggest sort of example of that, not really cheating, but when you play half price Baccarat where bank wins on six, you only get paid half half of your bet. Okay. That's like instead of playing commission, that's for like the lower stakes. Right, yeah. So every hand's even money except for bank win or six will pay half price. So it yep. is worse odds for the players and of course because there's never a new rule comes in that's better for the players <laughs> yeah, ever. No, and no. definitely not at low stakes. Exactly. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you'll see the dealer, um, they'll deal it out, bank wins on six and they'll pay out full price and then they'll realise towards the end of their hand that they're paying out full price and you'll see them, they have that split second where You've either got to do something about it now or just go, fuck it. Uh, we've done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you, generally, they'll keep sort of paying out. Look where the supervisor is. If it's too far away and they've got a good table, they're just like, oh, fuck it. But you don't want the camera to see that you've actually made a conscious decision to sit yep. there and actually go, well, actually, fuck it. I'm going to give everyone full price. And so I love that see the dealer paid out. You're like, are they going to click? Like, I don't want to tell them because then you're against all the other players. But you'll see him go, supervisor, 
Oh, fuck it. <laughs> just give away that. <laughs> They're generally the good deals you want to get if you're going to try and cheat. Well, and Pygal gets to even better. So if you've been sitting there for a few hours, Pygal poker, you've yeah. been sitting there for a few hours and you've got increasingly drunk, you can get so drunk that you just say to the dealer, you set my hand. Yeah, and exactly. You know they're going to do a better job than you. Yeah. It's your job. The houseway. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. the stupid thing about the yeah. game. You can actually not play at all. Yep. Just and like, just houseway. and drink. Houseway. Yeah. Or houseway. in some tables, you can actually play as the house. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which is kind of crazy. Which, which is just the same, isn't it? Well, pretty much, except you're the one that gets to set your hand. Yeah, if you set your hand to the house hand, I think. To the houseway? I can't remember. But you can actually take on, you can be the bank. Is that not with a crazy dragon or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff okay. like that, yeah. yeah I don't know. The I don't think the casinos do it anymore. Anyway. Crown used to, but I don't think they do it anymore. But um, yeah, I know the old school Pygout players talking about playing the house, but especially yeah. when you're playing amongst friends and shit, that's generally what you do anyway. It's funny you mentioned Dunks with uh, Pygout poker being, yeah. Your game in between the poker games, because yep. it seems to be that uh, it goes out of fashion. Whatever is the the other game yeah, yeah. for poker players used to always be craps, and there was never a poker room without a craps table nearby. Yep. Then remember, it was Chinese poker for a while. So yeah, oh, yeah. And then it became open hand Chinese poker. Open face. Open oh, face. Yeah. There we go. Which I fucking hated that. Silly. Um, and is is it Pi Gal Poker now? The, the game um, of choice? I, I don't think it's necessarily everyone's game. But, but it's, it's but yours because you can drink away. Yeah, and I can also while away two or three or five hours yep. yeah. um, and still be only 100 bucks in for it yeah. and be pissed. Yep. Um, <laughs> whereas if I go and play at a craps table, um, I might be there an hour and the swings can be much greater. Yeah, mm. and it's uh, far more, what do you say, taxing on the, on the psyche, craps. Yeah, well, you've thing, got to be energetic to play it. The, mm. the other thing with, if I play blackjack or roulette or something, my maths is good enough to know if the dealer's fucked up and pick them up. Yeah. When I play craps, I, I have no fucking idea whose money's whose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that for me? Regularly they'll say, give me, I need a do- give me a dollar. But I won. So you give yeah. me a dollar and they'll give you a f- few reds back or whatever, yeah. your number's coming yeah. at 12, so whatever. And by the end of it, I'm like, I have no idea if I've been ripped off, yeah. if you've made a mistake or if you've made a mistake in my favour. I've just got what I've got. Yeah, and it looks like an organised scam anyway because your hand's gone everywhere yeah. and the supervisor's the only one that's paying out. Yeah. It looks like like a street scam. You go through there, yeah. like, pick which ball yeah. was under the cup. Yeah, <laughs> the old yeah, three-card monster. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's wrong with craps, so, though, is everybody loses their last hand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, because you 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 on that roll and it's yeah. and so yeah. you crap out. crap out. So everybody leaves the craps table disappointed. Yeah. So why it's why it's such a popular game? I don't know. Yeah. And I never yeah. understood why like games like that and baccarat will name the game after the worst thing that happened to you in that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, blackjack, yeah, blackjack, sweet. Craps, get crap, fuck. Baccarat, get baccarat. Like that's no good. It's like you're not going to the brothel that's called HOV. No, yeah. Yeah, exactly. no but you are going yeah. to the brothel that's called poker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a HIV last. Oh Jesus! Crap. But the place around the corner, yeah. wife found out. Cock yeah, blockers. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I remember uh, in, the, in the the old baccarat pit in. Um, I don't know if I told this story about blowjob Johnny. That would do with, with no teeth. It was it was literally the like. If if poker players are the new worst poker players, worst um, gamblers, baccarat players were the old school worst gamblers around. Like, Blowjob Johnny was, was notorious for... This has to be Blowjob Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was notorious for almost like, what do they call it? The, the $20 spot or something like that, where he was spot you 20 bucks, but he gets to blow you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. Like, he went to, but he, he went to jail for a little while, and uh, it was, we didn't see him for like two years or something. Came back, still looked the same, and I'm guessing... He might have actually come out of jail loaded. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we've seen him back in the casino already. 
I don't know if loaded's the right term. <laughs> it's probably too appropriate. Well, yeah, there's probably a little double entendre there too. That reminds me of that, that night, Dunk. I don't know if we told that story before. I don't think so. Um, but uh, it was one night Dunks and I were playing poker. It was one of those nights when everything think, was just going right. Well, I think this has built this has built up over a number of weeks of playing yeah. poker and the same kind of story happening. Yeah. Or, uh, same kind of recollection. Or Yeah, something. exactly. Um, but it was I, this particular night, I think that... Um, you were up a fair bit and I was about even or, or getting towards up um, and some young lads are coming in and, and you know sort of busting and going straight out to the ATM and coming back um, and we said oh yeah you know he's just off to the toilets you know just to get his next uh, buy in <laughs> that was always the joke and that was you know, the joke we had all the time so anyway on this particular night Dunks is up a little bit and uh, one of the young lads runs off to the toilet and we're like oh, yeah you know that's his deposit <laughs> you know, he's getting his next buy in and uh, Dunks goes oh you should tell him when he comes back I'll, I'll give you I'll give you 25 bucks a, a green chip and I was like I'd already decided I was going to do it he threw in the green chip I'm like well <laughs> so he comes, free money <laughs> doing it for the laugh would have been enough so he comes back and goes hey mate and I just wipe my chin you missed a bit and he's like what yeah okay <laughs> so, Dux and I are like, like it was cool girls you should get to try and get a pool going from the table so. <laughs> that's my thing there's, there's nothing better than taking someone else's money it doesn't matter what it's for yeah, so yeah, yeah. even if it's only five bucks you're like alright I have to do it now because it's someone else's money at the poker table it's like sort of the ultimate goal is getting everyone's money obviously of, of the game but exactly. if you can get it without playing a hand it's almost like a bonus really? I think that set me up for that night too I was, I was good after that glad to help <laughs> <laughs> we had a, I was playing last night and there's you know talk about drunk guys turning up to the table and um, the game changes immeasurably. Yep. Yeah. This drunk guy sat down, and the first stand he's raised to forty bucks or something, um, and everyone's folded. And he, except the guy on his right, and he thinks everyone's folded, so he turns his cards over, and the guy on the right still got a big stack. Yeah, um, and he's already turned over his ace jack, and he goes to turn him back and goes, "No, no, no, I'm going to play this hand open and leave this ace jack open." <laughs> so, so, so the guy on his right calls, calls the forty bet, forty dollars bet. The flop is queen ten three. So the guy on the right goes, all right, 120 bucks. And the dog guy goes, all right, I call. Oh, please. (laughs) Turn king. (laughs) It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And the guy who's right just, fuck it, I'll (laughs) Straight off to the toilet to get another bite. (laughs) I was playing a home game once and stupidly we lowered the, uh, the limits. So we used to play 50 cents a dollar, 50 bucks buy-in. You know, yeah. which is pretty good for a home game. You're not going to lose too much. You, you yeah. make 100 bucks, you've had a good night. But we had some new people come in, so they lowered it to $20 buy-in. Right. Yeah. But this, I think they kept the stakes at 50 cents a dollar. I'm like, guys, this is going to be a crapshoot. Yeah. Especially with new guys in. Anyway, it was a crapshoot. Yeah. Or just every hand, somebody was all in. Just yeah, all exactly. Night. And I'm sitting there getting no cards. I'm like, I'll tell you what, if I get aces, I'm shoving all in and turning them over. <laughs> you know, so I said it and like 15 minutes later of course I get aces in the um, uh, open the betting too the I'm, I'm like I've got aces turn them down pushed all in 20 bucks <laughs> and then the, the other guys are fucking thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm but what's stupid is I'm trying to talk I'm like well I could have it you don't know what do you mean I don't I fucking got aces what am I talking about and one guy says oh I was thinking about it I was going to call you I had fours and we go okay we have to run this flop okay. eventually they folded I talked them into a fold somehow and of course two fours on the flop damn but that's, that's the same story that I've heard stories of people um, jamming with aces and someone sit, a woman sitting there tanking and tanking and tanking 
and eventually calling with pocket fours. Yeah. And yeah. someone said to her, well, what are you calling? You know, turned over his aces. Why are you calling with fours? He says, and she says, I know you've got aces. So my fours are exactly the same as kings. Of course and so. I wouldn't have folded kings. It's horrible, isn't it? Because you're like, yeah, I, I want you sitting right there. Yep. But, bitch, fucking yeah, exactly. you want that one? Exactly. Yeah. Um, another home poker game. I'm just thinking of poker stories now. I remember uh, a friend of a friend um, invited me to their home game. Yeah. And there was like, they had about 20 people running. Oh, right. And they have a twenty dollar tournament, you know, and uh, I think five bucks goes to pizza and beers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, they're all friends and whatever, but I knew somebody, so I was the ring in. And when we're sitting down, they're like, "Oh, you know, I know who to worry about him." And I'm like, "Why are you worried about me? You know, you don't know me." And I thought, "Because you know everyone else. <laughs> I must be somebody that's played before." And they're all shit. They're all awful. <laughs> um, so anyway, I remember it because they only the twenty man tournament and they only played first and second. Right, right. And uh, the the uh, prize pool was, uh, the numbers might not add up, but it was something like 150 for first and 40 for second. Right. So it was round about those, that kind of split. Yeah. So I remember we got all the way to the last two and you know, I did something I lost anyway. Um, so they paid out his 150 or 160 bucks and then they went, oh, we're 10 bucks short. Oh, well, bella. I'm like, <laughs> I got stiff twice here. <laughs> I've played for four or five hours. I've come second out of 20, and I've got 10 bucks to show for it. Yeah. Well, it always anyway, is like a. I'm the ring, and what does it matter? <laughs> it's always definitely like a, a hard job to put someone in charge of the, the kitty yeah. at a poker table when there's new people there as well. Because <laughs> oh. it doesn't matter. If something goes wrong, everyone always starts going, all right, who was this motherfucker that ripped me <laughs> off? Who was it? Who can I not trust? Um, we had like dealers game that went for, for weeks. It was pretty much just. Uh, uh, you have day shift had finished and they start a poker game going at like the local pub we had and um, then they stay there until 4am when night shift had finished and they come yeah, in they'd fill in some seats and literally it would go for weeks and weeks and weeks there's probably it's, some like there that retired three years ago who's still in the game yeah but it's still hard you've got to have the permanent accountant in charge of the kitty because people are buying in and cashing out and whatnot. plus it's illegal at a pub that's sort of dodgy as it is um, and then you've got dealers who get drunk and are in for too much by the end of it and so literally you're having to go back to work for free <laughs> the rumour was always that the dealers games were the most action packed as well yeah they were huge like literally they are massive games because dealers like if poker players are the worst gamblers dealers are very very close seconds like they are fucking terrible it's like running a pub. The old story is there's only two people that run a pub, and that's teetotalers and alcoholics. Yeah, exactly. Dealers seem like the same. Yeah. Well, people finish night shift at 4 a.m., then organize a, a road trip to Canberra, like straight after you finish work. <laughs> Just get changed, go there. You don't sleep because you'll stay there overnight, gamble, and then drive back in the morning. It used to be when you worked at the Adelaide Casino, the pub across the road had yeah. the best, well, the highest uh, filled pokies yep. in the in the state. By a long shot. The dealers go straight across the road and play poker. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because that was it was the Strath. I'm pretty sure they all still do it as well because it was on, on North Terrace, so it was all hotels surrounding there as well. Mm-hmm. So they just stay open from four until you know whatever their whatever. closing period is supposed to be, just for hospitality stuff. So if you had the badge, you could go in there and straight away you walk in there and it's just all casino stuff just lining every single pokey, just pumping them. It's kind of crazy, but I, I try and explain to people like it'd be like working in a, a chocolate factory. And not being allowed to yeah. eat chocolate, being banned from eating chocolate. The first thing you want to do is eat chocolate. Yeah, of course it is, yeah. And especially when you always win. <laughs> it's like, hey, this shit's easy, man. I've got to get a cut of this. I'm making all this money for James Packer and i got to keep fuck all of it. <laughs> you- I, I was going to say, I'm convinced walking around a casino, going back to your hierarchy of gamblers, yeah. that the people that are the most miserable in a casino 
are those that are sitting there pumping money into the slots. Yeah. And the people that look happiest in a casino are those that are playing craps. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and everything else is in between. Yeah. And the, the pokey players are the most high maintenance as well. They're the ones that want like all, everything for free, all the drinks. Entitled. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, I've pumped, you know, 500 bucks into this machine. Like, yeah, old man over there is paying six grand a hand a buck right, champ. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a lot to you, but there's not much in this grand scheme of things. God, it always puzzled me the people that um, you know get their free comp meals and yeah. stuff. You know, I saw it at Star City um, when it used to be called Star City. Some woman who got two comp meals and she's eaten one and she's put the other one into a plastic bag. It was like <laughs> it was fish and chips or something like that. Too. She's got it in the, you know the bloody Ziploc bags. And yeah. shit. I thought that can't be good. Yeah, I remember when I was studying one of my, a guy I was next to. He had a his pencil case full of Mentos and some um, bottled water. I looked at it, I'm like. I know they give them away for free in the mahogany room. So I asked him, like, did you get those from the mahogany room? And he just looked at me going, how the fuck did you know that? He <laughs> <laughs> was a little weird dude, funny as fuck too. I'm like, ah, oh, I work there. He's like, oh yeah, mum and dad are in there every day. So they just bring him home, like bucket loads of them. <laughs> Which is not surprising hey, at all. I might have dropped a hundred grand last night, but I got their fucking mentos. <laughs> yep. But I was smelling fresh as a daisy walking out of there. <laughs> if they gave him Diet Coke as well, they'd just make it for him. Nah, just water. That's all you get. It's funny because they used to give away, um, they used to comp like everything, they used to comp cigarettes until the waitresses, they just steal all the cigarettes. <laughs> they just stock take, they were 10 grand short on cigarettes <laughs> just, just from all the, the waitress staff just yeah, pocketing them pretty that's, much. That's where it's very different here as opposed to over in the States. So. Yeah. So Gratuities? It, it, or? Yeah, the comps because at least in the States there is some competition. Yeah, say, yeah. Whereas we're, we're here with um, complete absence of competition so unless yep. you are spending serious money you can get fucked. Yeah, well, like I yeah. say, their, their only competition is blokes that can fly to the next casino, yeah. as yeah. opposed to walk across the road. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, because the I mean, Crown's obviously a huge casino, but when you start looking around, there's not that much of a, a huge casino besides Star City. I mean, I've been there for a while, but they renovated. The rest of them aren't really competitors. You know what I mean? Uh, not, not certainly not for here. I think the yeah. nearest competitors are Singapore and Macau. Yeah, and um, Singapore definitely had a huge effect on, on gambling here. It's weird, weird. It's very strange to go and play in Singapore though, because you need to prove that you're non-Singaporean to get oh, in. Really? So I've taken okay. the times I've played there, I had to take my passport yeah. um, to get in. If you're Singaporean, I think you had to pay a hundred bucks to get in or something, yeah. um, just to try and control the gambling. And I went and played um, poker there, and the lowest stakes were five ten. It's roughly, roughly one to one exchange rate. Okay. Yeah. So I sat down at the five ten table in Singapore with a load of Singaporeans. So I've already pegged them as. They're Asians, so they're going to be aggro. Yeah. Um, yep. So first hand, first hand, I sit down and someone opens and someone three bets and I flat with pocket kings first hand. Right. <laughs> so are we, are we playing limit? Are we? No, playing five ten. Five ten limit. No, no, yeah. no limit. No limit. Okay, so I yep. bought in for a grand, a thousand bucks. Five ten first hand. It's flatted with pocket kings. The other guys um, called, gone to a flop. The flop's nine high or something. And the first, the first agent who act looks around, giving. I'm thinking, now nah, he's just going to try and pick on the rep, the, yeah. the white guy. I'm going to fucking show this motherfucker. And he bets out fairly large. And the other guy folds. I call. Traps are well and truly set. I've got an overpair. I've got this fucking nailed. The, what, what two pair has he got? Pick on. <laughs> the turn pairs the six. Yep. He bets again. My t- I've got two pair now. <laughs> call. The river's a brick. He shoves. I'm like... Yeah, he's just trying to shove because I'm the newbie. He's trying to show yep. how good he is. I call me kings, flip him over. He pick, flips over quads. 
One hand, and I was gone. (laughs) Picked up and went. (laughs) Sorry, I say picked up and went. When I say picked, I meant picked up. Picked up my mobile phone. (laughs) Picked up my pride. You certainly didn't pick up. You didn't pick up pride. Didn't pick up dignity. One hand, and you didn't pick up chips. Yeah, one hand. Isn't it funny? I've had at least two golden ducks like that, and both with pocket kings. Yeah, I had one with Ace King where I sat down and someone raised and someone else, someone a four bet I think, Ace King and jammed it and because I knew the guy that I was playing against. Yeah. And he's super tight, but obviously he called with aces. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I've done that at a tournament actually. Yeah, that's right. It was I did a one hander in a tournament. Yeah, yeah, went back to the booth to get another ticket for a cash game and was back in the same seat I'd left. That's even worse. Yeah, did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my old, my old trainer. Um, she was telling me when she was a dealer, she was doing bucker or something, and it was one of the dudes who was royalty from Jordan. Uh, money a prince or whatever it was he went out in straight sets for like six million dollars on Baccarat <laughs> just nine hands done over and done with wow. I think that was in England too when she was a dealer there um, well I remember the, the king of Jordan I want to say king Hussein of Jordan yeah, that sounds right he, he was good mates with um, Branson who was in his book. oh was he yeah so he was, oh, he was very western friendly yeah. so to speak so. Well, most of them all are I mean yeah. they all Despite what their religion might say, they all eat pork and they bang white hookers. <laughs> so that's not a secret at all. <laughs> I still remember we had uh, the junket. They were from Singapore, actually. Um, a dude, what he does for, instead of doing like a Christmas party, he'll get his subordinates, the top subordinates, and he'll take them on a trip, again, a trip to Crown. <clears throat> like all paid. Some of them got wires, some of them don't, but he'll supply everything. And they'll book out like a whole salon. Yeah. Everyone they had like, Six hookers, and they were like the group hookers. <laughs> so he paid for them. And I remember you don't on, want to lose your morals on the third night. The actual owner, he was there with his wife and that, so he wasn't touching hookers. That was just for all the subordinates and whatnot. And I'm guessing they got wives whatever at home and you know some dodgy shit, but all still out in the open. And there's one old dude, man. I was sitting on a table where I was doing nothing. They didn't actually play at my table, so I could just sit there and watch and enjoy myself. And um, this old man, he's he's come back and he's or he's actually walked off with two of the girls. Two of the girls. I'm like, holy fuck, this old dude. Like, I was surprised if he could have had one. Like, looking how old he was, looked like a prune, more or less. Anyway, not more than 10 minutes later, he's come back and not shitting you. The lady has a stain on her dress. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is like a movie. Yeah. Gets worse because right across from me was a massage chair where you've got like, uh, obviously, massages, everything. So the calves, you've got those little stirrups that you put your feet in, you put your arms back. When you say massage chair, do you mean one that a masseuse would use or one that you put no, no, two one bucks that one, that, one that vibrates yeah, yeah. the one you, you put, put two, like bucks two bucks yeah, in the, there yeah. the one you're thinking of where you put your feet in the stirrups and yep. someone else uses that's completely different alright okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting at my baccarat table watching the action going on and my supervisor he's like just kneeling down next to me he's sort of having a chat to me and then he's just going oh fuck oh shit and I'm like what and he's like nah 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 like I can't and I'm like you've got to tell me he's like just uh, just lean down just a little bit further down in your chair. So I've got down, and the lady is directly across from me with her legs in the stirrup with the massage chair with no underwear on. And we're just going, oh, shit, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But obviously we said it loud enough, so she's kind of looked up. And she's gone, oh, shit. And then they started talking to each other. We're like, oh, shit, man. we'll be in serious trouble here, man. This, is, this isn't very good. And they're like, she just goes, and that's it. Didn't see her again. But the thing is, I don't know if they're local ones or if they bring them from Singapore or how that works out. If Crown hooks them up with them, if they got their own little harem that they sort of work out of or something. But, yeah, um, I, guess, uh, I don't play high enough stakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you could probably get a high enough job in Singapore, I reckon. So. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Um, so, Dunks, how did your gambling career start? And I'm going to throw out a guess there. Before you're 18. 
<laughs> yeah, so there used to be uh, what you'd call a pokey, but we'd call a fruit machine growing up yeah. in England. So, in, uh, in, are fruit machines the same thing? Essentially, except yeah. they've got fruit on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, there was one in the bus station. So I used to get the bus to school and then walk the five minutes from the bus station. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they had a fruit machine there, and occasionally you'd put 20 pence in it for a couple of spins. But one day, um, it was paying out pound coins instead of 10 pence pieces. Oh, right. So I was a couple of hours late to school that morning. <laughs> um, and every time you got uh, a 40 cents win, that yep. was essentially winning the jackpot. 40 pence win, that was essentially winning the jackpot. Right, right. And you were always very disappointed if you got a win at um, 80 cents and then it went up to 120. Because 120 was worth, worth less than 80 pence because, because of, of the, the way, uh, it paying way out. it was paying out. Right. And I, I think I was about two and a half hours late to school that day. And, <laughs> and from that moment on, I was um, fairly encouraged. <laughs> i got to say, and your old man understood. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, again. Your old man, he understood. Uh, no, no my, my old man's definitely not a gambler uh, oh, at really? all. Uh, at all. Um, my brother is, um, but my dad's definitely not. Way too conservative, way too Scottish. Um, so, yeah, that was um, playing a fruit machine because everyone starts off as, on the fruit machine, as Brenton said. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I was never really a big, big gambler, um, yep. but I'd like having a gamble on things with a mate about yeah, yeah. fly gun up a wall or whatever it was rather than necessarily going into the casino and gambling hardcore. And then started playing poker because of you. Yeah. Um, you're the first one that dragged me down the crown and um, let me get all shaky when I flopped trips or something. <laughs> um, and that was probably about nine years ago. God, was it really? It was about 2008, 2009. So, yeah, would have been. That's when I, when I started at, uh, at Coles. And I still haven't moved up. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a few trips to Vegas. You haven't just come back. Had yeah. a few trips to Vegas. Had another one just in January. And I don't think we've spoken since the, the last World Series in June. No. So, um, one of the reasons I think I've said to you that I enjoy playing poker is there are, it's not just about taking shots, um, but on the occasions that you do take shots, there's always a chance that you'll be playing against one of the best players and one of the famous people. Yeah. So, you know, I'm never going to be playing tennis against Federer. I'm never going to be playing golf against Tiger Woods. But if I sit down at a poker table in a World Series event, I might get to play. Somebody famous. Yeah, that's so a good point, actually. If you uh, play the $1, yeah. $2, you might play Gus Hansen. You I might know. play Gus at the one, too. <laughs> um, so when I was pl- over in Vegas last, I was playing 2-5 with James Woods. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah, really? Yeah, um, nice. And he was really cool. Um, <laughs> although his tw- Twitter feed recently has just gone completely bonkers. But Because well, um, he's famous, he lives in Hollywood, and Donald Trump got in. I'm guessing yeah, that's, that's what right. it's about. And, he, and he's happy about Donald Trump. Is he? Um, but in terms of being at the table, he was super, super friendly. Yeah. Um, and you know, had chatted and chatted about Australia and all the rest of it. But then, what something strange happened? There, he had another mate on the table who used to be a tennis pro, um, but I can't remember his name. He's an Israeli guy, so he obviously wasn't that successful because I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. um, so he went off for a cigarette at some point, and another one of his mates said, oh, "I'll just play his hand for him." So another one of his mates Jeez. jumps into his jumped <laughs> into the chair behind his Israeli mate's stack. And went raise, 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 <laughs> triple barreled, um, triple barreled and doubled up. <laughs> so the guy came back from his cigarette, he'd left with 800 bucks, comes back and it's 1600. <laughs> I take, take up smoking. Uh, and, and James Woods, because James Woods is there, they kind of bend the rules a little bit. Yeah. yeah. yeah so that's fine. And James Woods going, it's all right, I know him, it's fine. You know, and on they go. And I mean, those, those Israelis are pretty good at that accounting stuff anyway, so I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he knew what he was doing. I'm sure he's Mossad. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, yeah, I, I remember when I turned 18, it was like, you, you play the pokies a little bit, and then I remember instantly just going, 
this is shit. Like, yeah. I've got video games at home. They're way better than this. Yeah. Sure, they don't pay out, but neither do these bastards. Yeah. But then, you're right. It's, it's always been a social thing gambling for us because I, I still remember that, like, that time we had 10 bucks on... Uh, it was Collingwood versus Western Bulldogs, the third quarter being the highest scoring th- quarter. Yeah. I've never enjoyed a game more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a game that meant absolutely nothing. For the first two quarters, we're cheering for the defences. Yeah, it's amazing how much a bet can make you interested in a sport too. It fucking works. Because a lot of times, that's the only thing I was through night shift on the weekends was betting on like Premier League or betting on golf, just yeah. dollar bets or whatever. But if you had a cool pit boss and everyone, of course, everyone's a gambler. Yeah. They'd have like the Ladbrokes app or whatever app. So you tell them, yeah, just chuck two bucks on this for me or you make so many shots in this hole. And so you sit there just betting on, on the sports, just hoping you don't get a player because then you've got to actually do your job. <laughs> but Whenever I go to live football, soccer to you guys, um, if there's four or five of us, we all chip in a tenner. Yep. yep. And the person at the uh, on the right-hand side or left-hand side, wherever you start it, holds on to all the, the, the combined money, tenors yep, yep. from everybody. Every time there's a corner, the money passes to the next person. Right. <laughs> and the money passes to the next person. And you do the same at rugby, um, rugby union, not rugby league, yep. um, with line outs. Oh, so yeah. I've been at an England, Scotland international for um, rugby, and Scotland are getting smashed. I'm going to say, so which team are you going for? I was a Port of Scott. <laughs> Scotland are typically getting smashed, and it's five minutes to go, and you're in your own 22. And Scotland have got the ball, and I'm sitting there, I'm standing there screaming, Kick it out! <laughs> kick it out! Because <laughs> I needed one more line out to win the money. And everyone's around me going, What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, it's like adult musical chairs. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> And it forces you to stay there to the end as well, yeah, even when you get smashed. There's no early leaving. No yeah. leaving early. And you'll be that one supporter that stokes your team, yeah. even if your team's losing. The, the thing that really ruins you from doing it from a soccer game is the next morning you get up and you get the paper and you always read the, the, the reports from a game you've been at with a little bit more interest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's got all the stats and it says, um, you know, Liverpool corners eight... Chelsea corners six and you go 14 corners one two three <laughs> fuck I should have had that money I missed one <laughs> yeah. is that how it goes if you're off in the toilet and you yeah, miss a corner so, so, yeah. that never happened yeah, well, well, what are you talking about Doug? actually that seems like it should be fair and in the rules if, if you're not there you're on the toilet yeah, by getting yeah. a beer then it, it skips over you yeah it passes just, by yeah it just yeah. adds to the excitement of it you'll be, you'll be busting for a piss but in that game you ain't going nowhere <laughs> or someone in front of you is going to be wondering why they got a wet back <laughs> I'm sure that more than once. It's almost like the the, the gambling tie kickboxing, the Muay Thai, where it's all set up just for they can they can gamble in the yeah. in the stands or something like that. Where it's crazy, you know, actually people in the stands will act as bookies and that was better amongst themselves. It's mm-hmm. not anything to do with interest in the boxing. It's all about gambling. Um, well, let's go to check that one out. Actually, I was just saying, in an Asian country, wow, yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought? And it's illegal too. But <laughs> yeah. I enjoy going yeah. to the Muay Thai in Thailand a couple of times because you pay. Um, extra money so for a total of about $3.50 you get to sit in the second hand second hand sofa at ringside oh, uh, really? really quite comfortable <laughs> a right. couple of times I've dozed off I didn't think I did that well <laughs> I've always wondered about it because I've been to Thailand once but some people warned us they said oh yeah there's some some of the fights you know they're, they're set up in stage and stuff like that but I thought if I can't tell I don't yeah, care what do I care the, the ones in Phuket I think were supposed to be it's supposed to be the second biggest in Thailand after the one in Bangkok yeah. um, and it's, they have 10 maybe 10 12 fights and it always starts off with a couple of 7 year olds um, and, <laughs> and then we'll go up go up to weights and teenagers and then there'll be some women fighting or go up through the weights and finishes with a heavyweight uh, at some point in there there'll be an Aussie and you go oh this will be interesting and they normally equip themselves really well I was going to say yeah, that, the yeah. 7 year old comes out on top in the end but um <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say, I have seen professional wrestling matches with grown men versus nine-year-old girls. Like that. Yeah. And the nine-year-old girl goes over, but, you know, that's, that's Japan. There's <laughs> one way to work off a drug debt. It's a losing side of a, of a Muay Thai fight. On top of that, I have seen in Japanese wrestling, in one of the highest ones, a guy lose to a blow-up doll. What? Yeah. And put on a good match, though, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I remember this, um, they started doing Baccarat tournaments at Crown, like, getting back into them. Yeah, I've heard of that in, in Vegas, people talk about it. It's just basically who's ahead at the end of the time, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, they use, like, tournament chips, and um, they'll give you, there'll be certain rules, like, you can have two blind bets per, per um, whatever shoe or whatever it is. They might play half a shoe. So that way, if you're ahead, you can just match the bet or put a second, and you're never going to lose, kind of thing, you know what I mean? So if you do blind bets, that way, there's actually some sort of strategy coming into it. But the thing is, a lot of the players will win more at a normal table than they will for what the total of the tournament is. Yep. So people will sign up and be like, yeah, that sounds a great idea. But then they're on a streak at their table, so trying to get them off their table at the tournament <laughs> yeah. is completely that. kind of against what you're trying to do there anyway. Yeah. But the funny thing was that the first winner they had was this Thai bloke. And um, obviously the first tournament, they want to make a big song and dance about it. So yep. they've got this whole thing set up, a little stage, made a trophy for him and shit, got a big check that you can take. And so they're awarding him with this, with this uh, big check but I think he took actual chips. Yep. Obviously, they want to give you chips. And so they're trying to get like, all right, so we're going to give you a trophy and we'll take a photo and whatnot. And so they give him the money. They go to give him the trophy. And all of a sudden, he just turns around and fucking bolts. And he's gone. He's out of there. Everyone's like, what the fuck's going on here? So he's ruined their ability to promote their event yeah. to get photos of it and say, this is our winner. Oh, it's Dan Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, so he, the next week, he, he comes in. and They're like, dude, what happened? He's like, don't my fucking girlfriend and know I'm gambling? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I can't go home with a big trophy saying Baccarat champion when I'm not supposed to be gambling. <laughs> <laughs> so he's left the check there, left the, left the trophy and just got his money and fucked off. Pretty much exactly what Dan Coleman did after winning one drop. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> my next question was, who was Dan Coleman? So but, Dan Coleman won one drop and refused to promote it, felt that um, poker shouldn't be promoted. You know, he's just picked up 18 million or whatever. Um, and didn't want to. He softened subsequently, but at right. the time it was um, um, a very disappointing winner for anyone related to the marketing department. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you win some, you lose some, don't you? I was say, Can't tell you what, do you remember the Wizard Home Loans Cup, which used to be the yeah. previous with JTL and everything else? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the yep. previous um, one year, St Kilda won it. And Grant the year Thomas. I arrived in Australia. Was it? And, and the reason you picked St Kilda for your team for to start with? a year. <laughs> like, you're sitting next to Brenton. He yeah. changed teams a lot. I've gone, I've gone around a few. But that was the one Grant Thomas and Lenny Hayes was the captain. Right. And they held out the cup and they looked like they were at a funeral. Yeah. Like they just did not give a shit yeah. at all for yeah. the preseason. Yeah. I think they did shoot the next season anyway as well. Because uh, it was sort no, of... Did they not win the first 10 games or something the next year? I, I can't remember. Or that year. Remember. Uh, I probably was actually. Yeah. I remember there was like a period where Brisbane won the... JLT or no, whatever it was, then um, shit. Uh, Carlton. They Carl, won. Carlton yeah, won it yeah, three yeah. years running and then picked, followed it up with a wooden spoon. Yeah. 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 I think the Bulldogs might have done the same thing or something like that. They won it one year. Like curse. They had Acker. I remember he won it. Uh, that's that, right. That might have been the last year where they actually had a tournament. Yeah, that's right. Now they just do random games, don't yeah. they? Yeah. It's nothing and they're going to get rid of it. Um, yeah. Uh, so when it comes to gratuity, Gratuities. Yes. Yeah. So we talked about uh, comping players and stuff like that. But yeah. obviously in Australia, the rules are you can't give tips. Yeah. How far have people gone to give you tips? Um, not far enough, obviously. <laughs> not, not that far. Not that far. Like, the funny thing is is that um, there's a general, not a rule, but it's general courtesy that if you go sell on the Royal Flush on Caribbean Stud Poker, right. that they'll give you 10%. 
Like every single player will say, yeah, you know, give me Royal Flush, I'll give you 10%. Haven't seen it happen yet. Yeah. Have not seen it happen yet. So you get people that are like... It cost you your job, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if, I mean, if you told them, but you know <laughs> what I mean? You have, to, you have to piss off some, some people to do that because... Well, hang on then. If it costs you your job, how big can the jackpots get? Because um, a wise man once told me, if you're going to rip off the company, make sure it's enough to live on for the rest of your life. En- enough to change your life. Yeah. Change your life, what's yeah, it? it? has to be enough to change Sorry, Dunks, I didn't exactly. mean to misquote you. <laughs> um, uh, generally, the biggest one I saw was over a mil. But I gave one away at like 4.20. Yep. I didn't get shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies were like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll give you 10%. And I actually gave her the real flush. Nah, nothing. <laughs> if you were playing in Vegas and hit a score for half a million, how much would you give the dealer there? 10%. <laughs> would you, you would give him 50K? I would only because I'd be on the other side of the table. Yep. But I would completely understand if someone gave him like five grand or something like that, like yep. 1%, you know what I mean? And that's great for a deal anyway. You know? Sure. So, yeah. If it's that big, I'd say 1% for someone who's just a general gambler would be acceptable. But as a deal, I'd give them 10% because that's what yeah. we're always promised anyway. You know what I mean? I don't Where know. Are you I don't know. It, it'd be a thousand absolute minimum. But I don't know if I'd go higher. I, I would find somebody around who I trusted, which is narrowing it down. Yeah. Who knows, look, what's, what's standard? Yeah. And if they said, look, 10% standard, I'd be like, all right, it's 50 grand. I absolutely don't think 10% is standard, but... It's the type of thing that you say out loud and probably get flamed for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say 2 to 3% might be more standard. Yeah, yeah. For the, especially for that amount of money as well. Um, but, and it goes back to who the dealer is as well. I mean, if you're having a good time and everything, you might be, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. And, and if it's given to you in chips, yeah. I'll be, I, I can see myself going, that's stacked. So go. I can yeah. assure you as an Australian, if you're playing in the States, it would not be given to you as chips because 30% of it you're never going to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I remember there was a few uh, Australian poker players that had dual passports, right? And, and they'd uh, show the other one. So I have dual passports now. Yeah, doesn't matter. Really, um, really? They, If you're trying to um, prove um, nationality on a where there's a tax, a typical tax agreement. Yep. They want proof of tax residency rather than tr- proof of nationality. There we right. go. Right. So I'm shit out of luck. That said, if I made the November 9, for yeah. example, I'd pay that um, and I had three months to, before you get reconvened <laughs> to the final table, I'd emigrate back to the UK. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's literally, a, a, what, it's going to cost you 300, 400 grand. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Well, if, if, you know, say, say you came second for 5 million bucks, yeah. 30% of 5 million is 1.5 million in tax. Yeah. Um, I'm fucking emigrating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, I, mean, I love living in Australia, but not yeah. that much. Yeah. Even if you come ninth. It's a million yeah. bucks. Yeah, it's yeah. still... 300K. 300K. Yeah. Starting a business in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of that, there's uh, a couple of stories about bad beat jackpots. So the um, other than the, the big rooms in Vegas, uh, most of them carry bad beat jackpots or some yeah. other type of promotion. And the bad beat jackpots are normally around the aces full of tens getting beaten. Yeah. yeah. I remember reading this story of um, um, a, a young... Head, head, hoodie wearing, sunglasses, headphones, poker player um, at a table, being a bit of an obnoxious prick, and him and a, him and a um, middle-aged lady, fairly well-to-do, get into a hand, um, and he's been an absolute arse all night, and they get into this hand, and it gets down to the river, and there's a raise and a re-raise, it's a paired board, there's a straight flush out there, and it's looking fairly obvious that the bad beat's yep. going to be hit, um, and she bets something like I don't know, 200 bucks on the river and he jams all in for 300 and he's physically shaking everyone <laughs> everyone's saying to him is it a bad beat jackpot is a bad beat jackpot have you got quads and he's like yeah wink wink I've got quads I hope, she, <laughs> I hope she's got the straight flush 
um, because if he's if he's on the receiving end of the bad beat, he gets 50, he gets fifty percent. She gets twenty five percent, and the other twenty five percent is a table share. Ah, oh, nice. And she was really pissed off with him at this stage, so she showed a straight flush and bolted. Yeah. Oh, oh. That's, damn! That's, up there. that's cold. That's oh. really cold. Because that's the- that taught him. That taught him. Oh, no, <laughs> Jesus Christ! She, she could afford to wave that goodbye and knew it would hurt him yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Wow. She's saying goodbye to a couple of grand just to yep. send a fucking message. Yep. Hell hath no fury. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a middle-aged well-to-do woman scorned. Because <laughs> I can tell you right now, if that was me in her shoes, I'd be turning my... Uh, I'd be giving the money, turning it over, and saying, yep, well done, champ. Yep. We're taking this money. We're friends now. Yeah, I'd be like, we're getting... <laughs> Your shit, bitch. The other bad beat I saw, and I only read about this morning on 2 Plus 2, um, it was a photo of the final hand, and the board was Ace of Hearts... Um, Ace of Spades, Queen of Spades, Queen of Diamonds, Jack of Spades. Somebody had the King Ten of Spades for the Royal Flush. Yep. yep. Somebody had pocket aces for quads, Ooh. and somebody had pocket queens for quads. Okay. Damn. So the person that's got quad queens has come third, not second, and therefore doesn't get any of the bad oh. beat jackpot, despite being bad beat with quad queens. God damn! The, ber- <laughs> the first loser, the first loser, got the fifty percent. The Royal Flush got 25% and the Quad Queens just gets the same as everybody else. <laughs> You're just sitting there looking at everyone going, I'm, I'm, I'm here too. Didn't I get beat up enough? So that's like, a really bad <laughs> It's a bit like uh, Robert Varconi. Is that his name? Yeah, they came seconds to... No, the guy that won. Oh, won it in 03? The year before Moneymaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he, so he's a World Series champion and who is he yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. he has to show his ID when he gets into the room he's like my photo is on the wall but fair enough <laughs> yeah. he didn't get a bad beat though uh, nah, if, I mean, he's if still you can win right. the, ma- the main event in the world series and remain fairly anonymous yeah that's a fantastic result well I'd yeah. argue that the last few years um, they are still like you know, the poker, you know the the outside um, celebrity of it has yeah. sort of come back a little absolutely, bit. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely waned. Um, um, with the likes of Merson's been not uh, n- nice enough guy, but just the the status that they have outside of poker is probably yeah. not as much. Well, we probably see it a lot less not being in America as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably that. I think the talent pool is a bit more sort of uh, bigger these days. Like people are generally getting to a level where you can have. Ten different winners in a tournament that you have never heard of before, kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? To sort of get to that stage where you can't know that many people. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I agree. mean, it's, it's that too. It's, you know, the increased pool size just means it's been diluted more. Because I think yeah. the last four final tables going in, there's been like three bracelet holders already. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. very few bracelet holders. People, uh, well, main event winners that have won bracelet since. But, I think Joe Carter yeah. was the first one fairly recently yeah. that was uh, had won the main event and then won a bracelet since. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I still remember um, was it maybe four years ago when Johnny Chan was on a roll, man, yeah. killing it. Then got yeah. changed tables, pocket kings, I think, all in, got done by aces, I reckon it was. So, was yeah, there was Johnny Chan, like and then there was JC Tran, yeah. um, final table a couple of years ago. And then Negreanu almost uh, bubbled or finished 11th yeah. last yeah. year and missed the final table. And it, no. it would have been good for poker for one of the big names yeah. to, to be yeah. there for November. Yeah. yeah. I think to me, like I'm over tournaments, I'm more interested in the high stakes cash games, and that's always been where the most fun is. It really pissed me off when they stopped allowing the side bets and the table talk on, on it stopped high stakes. It. It was, high stakes, yeah. Yeah. Years ago. Dis- Sorry, I thought it was a massive distraction. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the first no one knew season, what was going on? 
Yeah, exactly. If they were actually telling you this is what happened, been great. yeah, um, you've got you know a Barry Greenstein to do a play-by-play <laughs> of the side action. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. See, I'd be more interested in watching that. I mean, the poker's good, but so much better shit happens at a poker table. Yeah, but yeah. if you've never been at a poker table, you don't understand all the funny shit that happens outside of the actual play. I'm not going to remember the name correctly, but there was some show that uh, Antonio Esfandari and Phil Lark had. Oh, I bet you. I, I bet you. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Pretty sure. Yeah. There you go. Um, with some YouTube show. Yeah. 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 Um, I think even back in the day, I think it might have even had like the Game Show Network had it or something. Okay. But some of the bets they had up were so convoluted and so staged, it just felt awful. Yeah. But then occasionally you can see that they had the cameras on where they were bored and they're like, let's do something. Yeah. That was the best one. The more yeah, natural exactly. one. Yeah. And you're like, I, I don't care that you're off jousting in the middle of fucking medieval <laughs> times that it's obviously paid for promo. Yeah. But that little side bet to try and find somebody on the corner, that's excellent. <laughs> that's brilliant. What was it last year when. Was it in Sfundiari had that bet where he was going to lunge for like 24 hours oh, yeah, or something got, like that. He ended up getting kicked, banned from the casino for a week or something because he couldn't <laughs> face lunging anymore so he pissed in a bottle at the poker table. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it was, Damn. he was had to lunge everywhere for, I think it was 24 hours or something with Bill Perkins because Bill Perkins does yeah. most of these prop bets. <laughs> yeah. And I think Sfundiari was in so much pain he just said, no, no, I need to piss but I'm going to piss in a water bottle. Might have been at the at the Pokestars Caribbean Adventure or something like <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> uh, he just couldn't face lunging anymore. He didn't have that much pain. So Bill Perkins has all these pot bets and ends up paying everybody a lot of money. Right, he did the yep. same with um, Dan Bilzerian in riding from Vegas to uh, oh, yeah, Ve- Vegas right. to yeah. LA, yeah. and Bilzerian think, got the um, the drag behind yeah, a yeah. truck and yeah. You know, he, he trained with Lance Armstrong. Peddling. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan told the story on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, it was, it was, right. it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really funny actually. Yeah, he said he got Lance Armstrong to get on board and start training and shit like that. But yeah, did the Amarillo Slim like approach yeah. to, prop, to prop betting? Oh, his there. prop bets are awesome, aren't yeah. they? Uh, yeah, classic. Yeah, I read his book and uh, I don't care how much the stories have um, been embellished over time. Yeah. Still good stories. Yeah. They're good stories, just shame he used to abuse his children. Did he really? Uh, I think oh, shit. I think he got nice. off with that one. Yeah. Hey? I think he got away. I got. Go away with it, yeah. Not exactly. got away. I think he got <laughs> cleared. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's a stigma that's uh, <coughs> difficult to shake once you've been Fucking um, exactly. Yeah, once you've been yeah. charged. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm um, talking about the being massive fields at uh, World Series, yeah. Dynamo Hold'em events. When I go in June this year, I'm going to play a do seven triple draw yeah. um, rather than play oh, a yeah. limit event. Yeah. Um, last year I had 124 entries for 1500 do seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if if you're back to wanting to play against the best players, I'm going to find them in a D7 triple draw rather than, you know, local heroes and hoodie wearing yeah. internet wonder kids playing yeah. playing No Limit Hold'em. Yeah, I suppose especially like being in Australia where you don't get to go that often to Vegas, it, it must be like sort of a learning experience over a long period of time to really get sort of the the gist of what's going on, sort of where you're going to play, where you get best chances, yeah. and also weigh that against like surely you can see like. Uh, how much you improved that year when you go back for the World Series every year? Like, do you notice how far you're getting, or what your your players compared to everyone else, or is it constantly changing? Uh, yeah, I think it a lot varies table to table, and obviously at low stakes, there's a massive player pool. Yeah. What is apparent is because I think I've made a dozen or so trips to Vegas. What is apparent is um, your game's good enough to earn some money yeah. um, from a cash game perspective, but tournaments are just such high variance. It is purely yeah. shot taking. Yeah, um, but I've I obviously track track my results and so on um, and once the kids have left home the chance I will probably go and spend a year in Vegas nice um, and 
we'll give it a go Just, to, to yeah. make a living out of it for 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last three years over um, from cash games, paying two five, mainly in the Bellagio, sort of averaging, averaging about $44, $45. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I know would improve living there is my ability at table selecting because I would know who all the pros are. Right. Now I don't recognize them or I recognize some of them and I know if I want a good table or a bad table after an hour or after an hour and a half yeah. Yeah. as opposed to I'd know if I was on a good table after two minutes yeah. or yeah. wouldn't and sit down at a When you say table. pros, you don't mean the guys that have got four bracelets. You mean no, the guys no. that are playing four nights, five nights yeah. a week. I mean the guys that are grinding a living Yeah, yeah. Um, and are, they're just uh, ruined tourist lives, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's like they were saying they're not necessarily playing against each other. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's you don't. Was it the Nature Channel doesn't show sharks eating sharks? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. Uh, Joey Kanish. That's, yeah, that's Joey who you're looking Kanish. for. Yeah, <laughs> everyone needs a Kanish. Everyone needs a Kanish. <laughs> is it true you're going to name your uh, your store Kanishes at one stage? At one stage, it was. Yeah, yeah. that would have been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> got got a uh, over went over your head that one. Like uh, it wasn't your choice. Uh, I got vetoed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't mean a, didn't mean anything to anybody but me. That's the downside of having business, business partners. So many suggestions that I have that are like that. If it was close to the South Bank, you probably had a better chance there because you could have tried to promote it through the poker rooms. Yeah, they <laughs> oh, so you bust, eh? Yeah, I got a job for you. How good a slice of bagels? But right now, those those bustos work in schnitz at the, at the ground there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, or just chill out, blowjob, Johnny. Oh. Hey. Uh, you were telling us before, or you were telling me before, or I read before, Club Twenty Three. Club Twenty Three. Now, were you working at Crown when that opened? Because that, <laughs> yeah. that Warney's venture, or it's just his and Warney's name? certainly had a piece of it. I yeah, he has all him of and it. James Packer went in with it. Um, it was pretty much Warney wanted to do something with Packer. I think they might have tried a cigar bar or something downstairs. I think they might still be going. Fidel's. Sure, Fidel's. Is it? Yeah. So Fidel's closed when the Aussie government changed the rule about smoking. You're right. Right. Um, it must have been at that point when they will open up Club Twenty Three. So good name for a cigar bar. Fidel's. Yeah, yeah, Fidel's, yeah sweet, isn't it? Yeah, especially now you get them legally, so yeah. they're probably more legitimate. But um, yeah, so he had a venture there. I don't know why. I guess they just wanted to do something and put it in there. But um, it was just pretty much an exclusive club. But he had uh, direct access from Mahogany as well. So yep. he had like maybe five gaming tables up there. I think it was like two roulettes, two blackjacks and a, and a baccarat if they wanted to have it on there. Um, but it was pretty much just a bit of a wank really for rich people to go up there and or rich people who... You know, wanted to try and some young girls or yeah, get some, yeah. get some uh, young girls looking for sugar days or whatever. But the funny thing was is that on the when you walk in there, you go to this little corridor kind of kind of thing, and on the left hand side there's like a little function area or a function room where it's got a sliding doors you can close off. But in the middle, it's got this huge thing that we just named the Coke table. Right. It literally, was this huge mirror top table that was oval shaped <laughs> with like. Uh, Dimentis around the outside um, had like six permanent seats there, so you couldn't move the stools. They were stuck there, right? And this big fucking crystal bowl right in the middle of it. And we're looking at it, going, "That is definitely a cocktail. Like, there's no nothing else you would use that for. No. Like, it's not like you'd put ice in that in that bucket and put champagne it's in there. It's our fondue table, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and always closed. Funny enough, so I have no idea to this day what was going on in in that room. But holy fuck, we got a lot of fun to be in there. It might have been just a flag then. Yeah, right, it was there just as okay. Let's see who asked about it. Right, you asked. Okay. Well, yeah, it could have been as well, but you'd always see like some of the fans were going there. Like I remember dealing to One Direction in there, and that was the craziest <laughs> table ever because I had no idea who they were, where they were. It was just I knew that I was on a roulette table. And the thing is, I liked dealing up there because no one would usually play unless you get some people from Hogany who were just sick of playing high stakes downstairs and they come up there and play the ten dollar blackjack or something. Right. But um, it was good because you could sit there at a roulette table, do fuck all, and I just shuffle chips and try and check out the girls running around or something like that. 
And all I knew was that every time this fucking little dude come to my table, my table would be packed. Like, I'll get slammed. I'm like, this is ruining my night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to do my job now. And then I didn't realize until supervisors started coming up from downstairs. Like, and they're, they're supervising me. And I'm like, this is a low limit $10 roulette table. And yep. I've got three supervisors. Like, what's going on here? And then one leans over. Like, that's, a, that's so-and-so from One Direction. Like, oh, really? I'm like, these. So they were trying to get photos for their kids and shit, whatever. Yeah. But then I went to the next table and I had Jennifer Hawkins sitting down. I was like, all right, now, 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 I, can, now I can deal. This is good. This, this is, is more with yeah. us. She was well, fucking One Direction gorgeous. don't get this rock and roll luck. So I spent four minutes, four minutes, felt like four minutes, four years in the music industry. Yep. Freddie Mercury famously had his parties where he would hire a midget to walk, <laughs> to walk around the party with a bowl of cocaine on their head. So nobody had to stoop too low. <laughs> <laughs> I like how normally when telling a story like that, you'd have to say allegedly. But with Freddie, everyone goes, yeah, I said Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And who's, who's going to see you? Is it state? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, but it was funny all the supervisors would would be able to get out. I remember what a favorite pit boss. His name was the Champ because he was a champ. But it went, went as far as that because he was so liked by the the staff or the staff below the deals and that. But he wouldn't necessarily do what he was supposed to do in regards to what the business wanted him to do. Yeah. That they tried to put out a memo saying that you weren't allowed to call him the Champ anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, what's what's that going to cover really? What's that going to do for you? Like, not much. It's a bit like Tony Jones telling the footballers they can't call him Chompers. Yeah, but <laughs> or, or, or like or like the famous. Um, um, social media screenshot from a university lecturer called Mr. Hedgeho, H E D G E H O, and him and him saying, "Will people stop adding a G to, <laughs> G to my surname?" Signed, Dr. Hedgeho, and someone's added a G. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy would do things like when you when you're a dealer, you, they're really always overstaffed on purpose because. Their, their sick leave on a weekend is ridiculous because yeah. um, no one wants to work weekends and especially if they don't give penalty rates on weekends then you're more likely to call in sick even if you're feeling a bit under weather or if you want to go do something else it's not going to hit your pay as, as much as what it would be if you get yeah. the penalties yeah. and so what they'll do is they'll roster extra staff on just because they know there's going to be X amount of people that will call in sick and um, it's usually like about 100 people and so if let's say 60 people would, would call in sick you can um, uh, ring up and put your name down on it's called an annual leave list so if there's X left over then you'll have annual leave and they'll give you a day off with annual leave yep. but in, in the mahogany room they'll always keep a few spare just in case tables open up or tables close because it's less predictable than, than the main floor where you can say X amount of tables can be open for the whole shift mm-hmm. whereas you're more uh, sort of to the single player's needs well, um, in, in the mahogany room it means more too exactly but then the, there'd be a threshold point where let's say if you're on a day shift by 6pm if the player hasn't come and they've got some spares and they'll, they'll send people home and that's called an early out yeah. and so you can get to your shift uh, an hour before and there'll be a book there outside of the, the pit and you're writing your name down in, in there and then when it's time for them to get rid of some staff they'll go down that list and, and send you home and it's always on, the, on a sort of demand basis but the champ he didn't give a fuck <laughs> he, he'd clear out the whole early out list like as soon as he could like 2pm 2, 2 <laughs> and so it comes to like 4pm the table's over he's like well, I don't have any dealers so yeah no, can't do it <laughs> like, like well this is a high, a high roller player so it's alright we'll shut down the little black Baccarat that person you're going upstairs to, to uh, deal the, the big games of Baccarat <laughs> and obviously the, the shift boss shift bosses and pit managers didn't, didn't like that too much but it, it always consistently oh, when you first start out on, on a shift you'll get divided up into uh, groups of four tables. I don't know if I explain it, but one person will be the swing dealer. Yeah. And so they'll go around giving everyone the breaks yeah. and you always go back to your, your one table. And so generally you get a break every hour and 20 minutes if you've got four people in, in your swing and that's like the maximum that, that you're supposed to do and before you have a break. Um, and so the champ, he'd be doing the rosters and like lazy as fuck, just, just taking his time getting around to the tables. 
he's come to me, yeah, Brenton, uh, take a 40-minute break, go get something to eat, mate, and uh, yeah, come back. I'm like, oh, champ, I've got a four-person four swing. So like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, all right, so I'll go take 40 minutes. And it's all right for the first three, three deals they're supposed to get a break to because they're getting the breaks what they think is on time. But I guess the last person there, like, breaks come and gone. And for a dealer, one minute part, one second past yeah. your, your time yeah. to take a break is, like, a big deal. Like, you can't be doing that shit, you know what I mean? You've got to be there on time. On time is late, really. And um, so I'm, I go over to him like, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, so-and-so's on, on one table and he wants to swap to a blackjack because he doesn't like dealing with that uh, uh, roulette. Um, so-and-so's short for the break. And he goes, Brenton, I don't give a fuck, mate. Tell him to sort it out. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, sweet. So I go over there like, all right, uh, champ's on. He doesn't care. You've got to try and sort it out yourself. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, what the fuck? But it got to the point where um, they changed all the staff in, in Mahogany and they swapped, swapped the good staff out who knew what they were doing and got new staff in and didn't train it properly. Why? Uh, politics mainly right. um, trying to get control of the room and run it the way they want to do it they right. want the old school people out who actually had the respect and knew how the room would run completely fucked up the room for a long long time yep. but anyway Champ was one of the only people who were, were the old timers left up there <laughs> and they realised that the only way they can get the staff back on board is to sort of run it how, how he would run it which is more obviously instead of having people um, flogging them to death and making them do those four person swings just give them six person uh, three person swings and then they can take a longer break and, and you can actually open and close tables and be able to fill in the roles by, by using those swings so let's say in a table open you can already fit them into a swing and make sure they're getting breaks because you've got a three person swing instead of a four person swing yep. so they end up promoting him to pit boss <laughs> just because that's the way that the casino should be run is actually doing what your staff want no way you can do what your players want um, <coughs> so he was my favourite he was an old school like Italian fella too so he had that that uh, ability to tell stories and he was there from the old days and he's still there run a throwback yeah he's still there still yep. there? he's still be rocking out end up losing lots of weight but they're always my favourite people to be in a salon with because they sit there tell stories and then I can do shit like this and pass them on <laughs> yep um, yeah so you reckon Champ's still there were there any other supervisors like that that really like went out of their way for the for the deals yeah uh, there were like a couple but um, they got moved on really quick because the 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 job is really easy you know what I mean so anyone can do it so you can be good at your job but then you get sort of a bullseye on your back where shit he's going to less of my chances of getting promoted or he might take my job and so people are really sort of mercenary in regards to getting a team that's not going to be any sort of threat to their position or, or where they want to go kind of thing so it's really that's why real, I say real long term thinkers exactly yeah. yeah yeah. and I mean when you're dealing in that sort of business there's it's pretty hard to make a decision that's going to fuck up that business that bad they're going to lose money because you're dealing with people who've got addiction problems and things like that so generally bad decisions will go unnoticed a lot more often than in a normal business that would be incomparable sort of turnovers and things like that um, but the funny thing with the deal is the last break's a huge deal so obviously when you're when I was talking about you, you've got a swing deal who goes on a break first and then will come back 20 minutes later give the table one break he'll go come back 20 minutes later give the table two a break um, it will work out that at the end of the shift someone's going to get the last break so at 20 to 8 they're going to be able to go 20 minutes early right. and the benefit that has is that you don't have to wait for the, the night shift has got a huge crew to come to your table and, and tap you off and it's a difference of like five minutes so it's really not a big deal but, but to deal when, is, when you're emerged in it it's like jail where small things <laughs> will just blow themselves up into huge deals and so last break's a huge deal people will try and angle and scam it from the start <laughs> and so a swing dealer will figure out you know alright so if I can do these breaks and then I can uh, pick up a table here and then I'll get last break for myself and um, the fillows were the worst at it man <laughs> you, get a, you get a swing of fillows you're like oh fuck Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Fuck, man. There goes my last break. I got no chance. And like, to a T, it was always you get sharpened out of it over and over again. But the worst one I have is one dealer, because uh, also, when it comes to like 20 past 7, everyone's all of a sudden due a, uh, 20 past 6, everyone's all of a sudden due a break. Because that right. means they get to do that hour 20 and then have last break. Yeah. And so that's what the scam that lots of people will pull. But there's one dude, he's come over to me and I was supposed to have last break and it's 20 to 6 and I was supposed to have it. He's like, oh, sorry, man. Like, pit boss is throwing a table. I've got to go pick up a roulette table, which was around the corner in, in pit 28. So I couldn't see that table. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm not trying to fuck you. I'm not trying to screw you. But yeah, pit boss is giving me this one. And um, he's walked off to give that break. And I've been like, oh, fair enough, man. Thanks for coming to tell me. Yeah, I appreciate it. He's walked off. And my supervisor, who was a pretty quiet dude, he didn't say much the whole day. He's just sitting there, with his arm, standing there with his arms crossed. And he's gone up to me. He's gone, bullshit. He's like, this is bullshit. I'm going to go find out what's going on. And it turns out that, like, a lot of times when you had that old school crew, it would run so well because if you know that the, the manager will look after you, then you'll do extra favors to look after them because you know it's going to come back and you're going to get yeah. paid off for it. So, like, it would have been a few weeks before that. I did, like, work, like, three or four hours without a break because the person in the salon wanted me, I was still in good hands, and he wanted me to stay there. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I knew the pit boss. She was, like, a good person. And so, on this day, she was actually trying to repay me the favor by giving me last break and getting me out of there. So, yeah. then she said the swing, so I'll get last break, like, for sure, 100%. And so, my supervisor's gone over to her, and he's gone, um, this guy who's notorious for trying to steal and stitch people up for last break, he's come over and said this. Is this real, right? And she's just gone, that motherfucker. <laughs> she comes over to me and she's like told me like, I was trying to give you last break because of the favour you gave me a couple of weeks ago yeah. and I'm like oh yeah he comes over to me and he sell, said that he had to go in and, and throw in a break on the roulette over there she's like what? he doesn't even fucking deal roulette <laughs> <laughs> so this dude comes over to me to my face like sorry man not trying to screw you but I've got to throw in a break to a roulette and doesn't even deal with the game I'm like how did you plan to get away with this? Like, how is this going to work? Because I've got to leave at some point. I'm going to see that you're not on that roulette table, so you've gone somewhere. And of course, I'm going to ask, oh, where was this guy? Because you've just fucked me. <laughs> and so, yeah, legit trying to lie to my face like that. I'm like, it's almost a sickness in itself. <laughs> yeah. And I'm guessing no repercussions. It's just... Don't oh, yeah. If you've got good pit bosses, next time, they'll put them in a swing and to the, to the, to the swing dealer... They were like, do not give this person last break under any circumstances. Yeah. Like, no way. If you can, make them sit on the table for the last hour and 20 minutes, hour and 40 minutes. If it comes to the point where he's going to get last break, you just go home. Because <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do? They're fucked then. Yeah. And then they'll be pissed off. And he's like, well, yeah, remember yeah, last week we needed this? Still not happy though. Some people are just scammers from the, from the start. Where do all the dealers go on their break? Um, most of the time, you from the hockey room, there's like uh, a little break room that's upstairs. So it's... um. You know uh, Whiteman Street in between yep. um, there? You know you got those overpasses where the walkways? Yep. If you look on like the far end, you'll see the walkway down the bottom, which is where the... Um, the uh, you can see... Yeah, you can see customers going th- through that one. But the one on top is actually the staff. Like that's okay. backup house, even though it's still the same sort of walkway. And along there, where the... You'll see Kingsway go through the building, more or less. There's a little alcove there, which is actually the dealer's um, break room. 
right. so you can go out there and smoke and do whatever um but on the main area main floor you've got a couple of different break rooms and you've got uh, the main one where you've got ids which is uh, your kitchen your staff kitchen which is fucking horrible it's terrible and but it's food yeah, it's food yeah and it's free obviously well actually i'm not what's free i might actually come out of our our pay whether we liked it or not it's even worse because the thing with crown is that they got so many restaurants there and you think that that they'd have like their they get their academy or their their trainees like whatever to go in there and they get free free experience and yeah. crown gets something out of it but instead they outsource it and just produce absolute shit so outsource it and pay three bucks a meal exactly yeah and you don't as a as a dealer or an employee you don't get staff discount no no we've we the other restaurants no oh uh, in the restaurants i think we do for for most of them that are in the crown promenade area like along there before you get to queen street i think yep. we get discount everything to there okay um but we have a staff shop that's down in the bottom of the car park um, if you enter on the, on the Whiteman Street side. And um, you would think with a staff, a staff shop, it's going to be a pretty decent price. I'm not going to try and rip you off because yeah. you can also pay, get paid deductions. So you swipe your, your ID card and it'll come out of your pay. You don't have to pay yeah. every cash. Yeah. Nah, they'd rip you fucking blind. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, yeah, crazy. Like, shit was way more expensive than anywhere else. But they knew that you couldn't be fucked going anywhere else. Or if you're in uniform, if you want to go off the property, you've got to get changed to go out. Oh, and, you, and you can't do that in 20 minutes. So you're trapped. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So they try and screw you there. And so you're pretty much getting screwed as much as the, as much as the customers these days. I can't believe a casino would do that. I know, especially. <laughs> but that's the other thing. The absence of competition yeah, for, for exactly, customers and employees, right? That's exactly right. And that's how, that's how they get to treat the staff just as bad as the, the players and, and get away with it. Um, um, so you mentioned scams there yeah. before. Have you ever caught somebody cheating? Yeah. Uh, one of the easiest and here's the thing is that you can get away with cheating once. It's very easy. And it's because, like I said before, a lot of dealers, most of them, can't be fucked dealing with the problems that come from it. For a little bit of amount, they're going to be like, eh, you know, give you a benefit of the doubt. This is what happened. Don't do it again. Whatever. And, and fix it up. And that's fine. Like that's generally what you're supposed to do. So, how? What What are the usual? Che- is it late bets? There, are, there are late bets. One of the most clever ones is actually on, on roulette. It's called it's called like a dirty stack bet. What you do is you get, uh, just say you got two people and they're mates. You have one person go to the table uh, first. Let's say you know, ten minutes before the next guy, he'll buy a color chips. Let's say he buys hundred bucks in color. Um, he'll come down to the table. And for young kids, especially who are good at this, they never really keep their chips on a table. They'll put them in their pockets because they've got no fucking idea what they're doing. And so what you'll do is you get your mate, he'll come maybe 10 minutes later, he'll buy $100 in, in color chips, obviously a different color. So what you'll do is underneath the table, you'll swap half a stack. So let's say player one's got blue and player two's got orange. The, the player who's, who's player two will give him half orange and, and vice versa. Yeah. So what happens is when they're placing bets on the, on the layout, you know who's playing what color and whatnot, so that you associate whose bets are, are, are whose, and obviously you got to spin the ball and ring the bell and call no more bets yep. on that sort of stuff. What they'll do is that, let's say, um, play a blue player, he'll put say four chips on twenty. What well, lo and behold, twenty yep. comes up. As last bets are being called, the player who's got um, the half blue chips, half half orange chips, he'll put blue chips on the bottom of his stack and put, let's say, four orange chips on the top. Right. And when he sees the ball dropping number 20, he'll slam down his chips on top of it. So I think that he's... You just, just take down, off the orange yeah. and the blues stay. So yeah. I think he's just put on four of his own chips. I didn't realise that he had four of the blue chips that were his mates underneath that. Right. And so I'll just say, look, mate, nah, it's after the bell and you just throw them back to him. Yeah. And that's just generally a standard rule. And it happens quite often people play some late, late bets. And so that's sort of the benefit of the doubt you give people. Even if you know that he's doing that, he's doing something dodgy, that's yeah. what you do, just throw it off and no, you can't do that again. So that's the easiest way to be able to cheat and get away with it. But you can only do it once. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to start going, all right. And what happens, the casino will pick up on it. 
but they won't they won't get you straight away they'll wait until you pass that threshold where they can really fuck you right and then they'll pick you up and be like we've got all this evidence and that way you know you're really proper fuck now so essentially they'll let them okay you've done it four or five times that means it's over a thousand bucks now yeah. it's right which I'm guessing there's some sort of legislation relation as well it must be goes from yeah you know, exactly a minor to a major or whatever because I can imagine like seeing it get ripped off hundred bucks isn't going to be much of a concern to any sort of lawmaker or, or whatever any sort of government regulator but yeah. when it gets up to like you know a thousand or two thousand or something like that because the other way with roulette is that most people don't realise that you've got colour chips to obviously if everyone plays cash fives you've got no idea who owns what but just because it's a five dollar table doesn't mean that you have to your cash your color chips have to be worth five dollars. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's called a markup, so you can say I want I want fifty dollar color, and that means they'll give you a color chip, uh, color chips that are worth fifty dollars each as opposed to the normal ones. So what will happen is um, people will go and um, buy buy like a, a five dollar color and five dollar color, yeah, and then they'll come back the next week and they'll mark up their that same color at the same table uh-huh. to like fifty bucks, yeah. and then they'll bring those extra four chips out and um, put them across the table. What they don't realise is that we've got a, a, a number tree or colour a color chart yep. where at the start of every time you open up a roulette table you have to mark down how much colour it's worth is in there yep. and so when you mark up those chips you actually have to count every single chip yep. that's in there before you mark up that colour but a lot of dealers get lazy and they just won't bother they'll just say hey, $50 colour and they'll put a $50 chip in the little um, tree where you, where you mark whose colour is, is what and they'll just hand them out but um, most of the players don't realise this and they don't realise that just because you think you're getting away with it doesn't mean like what you're doing doesn't look shifty as fuck because yeah. you haven't been at the table for long enough to realise what stands out. And so you'll see a player will come down and he'll be like, uh, I just want the, the blue chips. And then you'll give him the blue chips and he starts playing red. And like, all right, no one buys colour chips and plays red or plays yeah. outside. Like, that's just dumb as shit yep. and dealers fucking hate it. And so already you're pissed off this dude. So you're like, all right, I know something's up here. And so they're the people that you'll be like just trying to take down because like, all right, you're trying to fuck with me now. If you just had have done it, done it and not bought color chips and not played outsides, probably would have been fine. But the fact that you're going to come here and play color and outsides, like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you hate people playing outsides? Why, why uh, it's, it's not just the outsides. You play color and outsides because cash chips and outsides are easy to designate who's is who because right. it's generally not as many. And so if you've got a big table, if someone's taking the color chips and only playing the outsides, it means that someone is going to have to play cash fives on the inside, which right. makes it really confusing to figure out who's is who. Okay. If there's no one at the table, then it's not a problem. But generally, your tables are pretty busy, so you need all your colors just for the insides. Yeah. So when they take it and all the players outside, she's like, you motherfucker. Like, pretty much, if anyone makes your job harder, then they're the enemy. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> they're the ones that you want to try and clean out. Yeah. What about people taking a color from one table to another? So I know the chips have the table number on them. Yeah, but if you you can bury those inside a yeah. inside yeah. a stack, yeah, yeah, it happens happens quite often as well. That's another little little method that people will use, and the only way you'll spot it is, is um when you see them lay out and you try and pick them up. But um if they're put on the outsides, yeah, you got no idea. And that happens yeah. quite a bit as well. Like pretty much on every table, you'll see chips from another table, and um I mean the, the unofficial way that you fix that up is <laughs> deal will grab it and he'll be like, oh shit, I've dropped the chip. And supervisor's like, well, I have to pick it up now. I may as well go put it back on the right table. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you've got to do it through the cage and get them to take that chip off the table, take it out of the cage, and then send it back out to the right table. And makes it a pain in the ass. Yeah, which no one is happy with that. So if you've got to get security over to do that, they're like, fuck you. Yeah, you're the enemy. How many um, instances... I always figured if I was going to cheat in a casino or steal any money from a casino, I'd do it by adding blue tack to the bottom of a, um, a coloured cup. Um, yeah so that you you know bang oh. somebody else's chips and pick up, oh, pick yeah. up the top of their chips no? yeah no that's not a bad idea actually I, mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it before but shit I like that one if someone can get back to us give that one a go let's see how it goes <laughs> but yeah people, like 
I actually have nothing against trying to rip off a casino. Like, no, I'm not trying to. But I can't rip off a casino because it's in the well. I have to. Rip ah, off, right. I probably have to but rip off my neighbour at the blackjack table. Yeah, so but I'm just you against play poker ducks. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm against people who are trying to do it out. in a completely obvious and unoriginal way. Like, if you can come up with a new way, I'm like, go for it, man. That's a great <laughs> idea. I want to see how this goes. Because I think there is that, like, that skill. I think that's a skill that you can get. You know what I mean? There is a. Uh, there's a risk and the odds are against you, but if you can beat those odds, then that's what the casino's there for. So you, you, put, skill you play the game. Yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> you just make up your own casino games. But the funniest is always when, like, the easiest way to cheat is just grab money off the table and run. Yeah. And some people will try it. So if there's a big Baccarat game going, I think I might have told this one, people will pull their money together and they'll put it on there. Obviously, it wins, they'll keep it, but they'll designate one guy. I don't know if he gets paid or how it works out, how they decide it, but he's the runner. So he's the fastest dude and he's going to be, <laughs> as soon as that last guy comes out, You've got to know who, what, who wins, who loses. Because if you lose, he's got to snatch the money and just bolt. Right. Well, someone did that in the Blasio a couple of years ago on a motorbike, didn't they? Oh, really? Um, Damn. Famous table 12 at the Blasio poker room. Um, I think one of the some player had a heart attack or a dealer had a heart attack or Damn. something there. And also someone came in with a motorbike helmet and robbed, the, robbed it. Um, and I think they changed all the chips in the casino for right. that, that, that ah, denomination. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you could do the one that happened in the Blasio last, yesterday. Um, okay. I don't know if you. No, no, no. Um, guy, three guys. Uh, one in a pig mask. <laughs> tried, tried to rob the Rolex store, um, <laughs> but I don't think they made it. <laughs> no. A pig mask. I'm gonna guess that like something similar has been tried before with wear a mask and rob a store. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think it happens. I reckon they're onto that one every day. Yeah, <laughs> they would have been safeguarding against that one. Um, the other way that, that was an innovative way I saw cheating was. Um, a popular way is wheel tracking on roulette so you're looking at how the dealer spins and it takes it is a skill it takes a lot of time watching a roulette table to be able to guess where the ball is going to drop into a, a range of uh, one number and its neighbours so one and two either side yeah um, you reckon that's genuinely doable yeah definitely well, course, yeah. there's a famous story that the, I think they called it the guy that broke Monte Carlo uh, and yeah. it, this is decades ago maybe even a hundred years yeah. but it did exactly that he found out uh, the bias on the tables yeah. and noticed which table um, and which wheel it was and took Monte Carlo like broke the casino yeah. but it might have even been 1800s I'm talking yeah. about it's easy to stop because all you do is call no more bets earlier and the way they have to readjust their sort yeah. of math and it comes more and more off because more and more variables and it's not perfect it's not like hit it every time but it definitely is a concern the casinos will actively try and prevent that happening but one guy they've changed because um, you used to have sensors on the on the actual not on the wheel but on the rim of the wheel that would shoot down a little, um, I'm guessing it's infrared or something, mm-hmm. and be able to tell where the ball was landed so the number can go through to the tree. Yep. And just so happens for these little uh, trackers, it had a little green light on the outside of it, and every time the ball would go past, the green light would flash. And this guy figured out that when when it's down to, he'd say, about three revolutions to go, wherever that ball was when that light flashed, or wherever the number was when that light flashed, that's about where it would drop. Wow. And so he, he wow. knew that, and he kept it to himself. And he was kept on betting, and like really tried it out first to make sure it would work. Then he went to Crown. He was like a pretty big player too. And he, he asked them if they could put racetrack on their um, roulette layouts. And for people who don't know what racetrack is, that's where... Yes, five, if, it's five adjacent, isn't it? Yeah, but in, in, in front of the dealer, they'll have the roulette wheel in sort of a, a racetrack shape. And so what that means is that players can do call bets. So someone will say, I want five and neighbours, which means you put five and the two numbers either side. Right. Because obviously the wheel is not in order. The wheel is all mixed up. And so if you've got it right in front of you, it's an easy way to them have to put it all in the layout. But also, if you're a wheel tracker, it makes it way, way easier to get your yeah. bets on in time because the, the bet counts from the call, not from when you put it on the racetrack. Okay. That's why it's called a call bet. Yep. And so straight away, he, he just rigged it for himself 
and, wow. and he cleaned them up for like a month until they realized what was going on but he's not cheating no exactly yeah no he's so, just working the angles yeah. it's like counting cards at blackjack yeah, yeah exactly so all they, all they did is they they told him they made it so that i don't know what legislation they they can pull it through under but he was only allowed to play a table minimum and they got rid of the racetracks and they made no more bets being called five spins or five spins of four yeah uh, it's going to drop as opposed to the normal three uh, so that's what they get on. But that's sort of cheating. I'm like, I kind of respect that because you've yeah. sat there and you've you've worked it out. You figured out how you can work your angle, and you've done it, and it's actually worked out. It's yeah, worked very good. It. Yeah. So I, I'm not got no problem with that sort of cheating. Um, it's just the real obvious ones where people try and put a chip on like out of the corner. And oh, one of my mates, he was um, stealing like ten dollar baccarat. And the hardest thing for baccarat is your shoes on your left hand side, so you can't see the last box because it sort of hides behind there because baccarat goes all the way around. And um, my mate was dealing to these guys. And you notice this dude kept on putting chips on the winning bet afterwards, just behind the box. And they were speaking beard and I was sort of laughing. Yeah. And he knew what was going on. Maybe he's just sort of dealing away. And then after about 15 minutes or 20 minutes of him doing this, and like he would have made, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, they sort of they started laughing. And um, he's gone, you know, I know what you're doing the whole time, but what you don't realize is that surveillance watching, they're just waiting until you completely fuck yourself, then they come down and arrest you. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't, obviously. Yeah. But he just wants to think, ah, fuck it, I'll screw this dude. That dude bolted out of there quick as you, <laughs> yeah, quick as you can see. Yeah, that's a tough bluff to call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's got deniability as well because he can be like, ah, I didn't see it. So, you know, yeah. well, I care. There's no microphones in the cameras, so they can't really tell what you're saying. All you can see is, is the vision. Someone was asking me that last night. But how much... Uh, can the cameras actually see a crown? How good are well, they? Well, here's and the thing. picking up microphones as well? Is it just vision? Just vision. But here's the thing is that they they claim that they're really good, but I've seen some very, very fundamental mistakes that went to went to the camera that I knew were 100% wrong. Yeah. And there were ones that weren't in a situation where there'd be a PR payment. Like, let's say I was dealing the big wheel once, and this dude put... They come up with 47 to 1, and this dude's put a chip on 47 to 1 you know, afterwards. And I've seen it, but straight away, you don't just, like... You don't want to completely call them out for cheating, so you go to the supervisor yeah. and say, uh, "You got to go to the cameras." So that way, there's yeah. no sort of confrontation; it's all done legitimately. And generally, these people just sort of saunter off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this guy is starting to like sort of wait, and he's getting his exit strategy together. And the surveillance ring down and go, "Not nah, legitimate bet." I'm like, <laughs> "I know 100 that that wasn't a legitimate bet." Right. Okay. And also from because dealers are obviously as dodgy as the players, and heaps of dealers get caught cheating all the time. And I knew one guy who who was stealing five thousand dollar chips, and what he was doing was. You know, there was a rule at float and he was a supervisor so he's got a clipboard and obviously you're, you're keeping track of where your hundreds are going where your thousands are going all that sort of stuff he put the clipboard down on top of the chips while he's punching the numbers and as he picked the clipboard up he'd, he'd palm a, a $5,000 chip pick it up yep. and so the cameras can see that should be able to see that there's one less chip on the, on the layout because the cameras aren't even that far away either yeah. but they couldn't pick it up they couldn't discern that they knew he was stealing them because they could see from the tally what was coming in and out because obviously how. Yeah, they couldn't figure out how so they could see that he's doing that and he just denied it flat out and never got charged with anything. Like, they, they fired him, but he never got charged with it. So I'm like, the cameras can't be that good if he was stealing $5,000 chips. Well, the next question then is, how do you know how he did it? Oh, well, because, well... <laughs> he, and how long was your supervisor he, he, career? He had, <laughs> he had actually asked me if I could get my girlfriend to cash in some $5,000 chips right, at some point. And I'm like, why don't you get, like, your brother to um, put him in? Because the thing is, a lot of dealers will gamble while they're working because especially the Viets they'll know the players there as well so they grew up with them whatever and the players always say if you want to bet man just let me know I'll put the bet on for you and I'll just give you the money afterwards and if it loses you just pay me back that's not uncommon at all so a lot of players a gamblers a lot of dealers will actually do that right and so the point the fact that he was asking me to cash a five or get my girlfriend to cash a five thousand dollar chip wasn't that suspicious 
But he'd actually read it through me before about how easy it would be to steal chips off right. of a roulette table okay. doing this exact method. So, but he denied it to me that he did it. But I'm like, well, you, you actually, told me this, this, this is not adding up at all. That's kind of like, thanks for denying it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, allegedly he stole some chips. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like one way you do it. There's been other guys who've been caught literally wearing pantyhoses and putting like chips down there. Really? Yeah, but that's why... Um, well, some casinos will mandate that you have to wear armbands on your sleeves. That's so you can't just palm um, palm them down your down your sleeve and just right. drop them. You yeah. know what I mean? That's that that old um, sort of uh, stereotype of you know the old gamblers with the sorry the old croupiers with the green visor and yeah. the, the armbands. And I've always thought it was just part of the you know the yeah the whole theatre of it all. But no, that's the reason. So they can't Legit, palm yeah, chips. So that's why go. like our pockets, our pockets are so shut. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> so. so. W- when I was uh, about four or five years ago playing at the MGM, um, my best mate who was uh, head of security for a supermarket company in the UK, um, jet lagged us all buggery playing some stupid table game at four o'clock in the morning and his dealer was palming and he pulled over the floor and said, this is what the dealer's doing. As he collected the chips, he's holding one in his palm and then he's Mm. dropping it into pockets or whatever else. Just can't Um, leave work at home. And they took, yeah, and he's quite proud of it. And they took Mickey back. This is at the MGM, so it's the biggest casino floor space in Vegas. Okay. And he went back through the rooms, um, through the security doors, watched the video with him, said, right, what he's going to do now is this, that, and the other. He obviously knows what he's talking about. They reckon that was the first dealer they'd caught in three years. Wow. Really? And that's that's the MGM. Damn. So you're saying it happens all the time then? happens all the time. Like, the surveillance watch staff just as much as they watch uh, dealers. Unless it's Australians that are dodgy as fuck, which I mean, I wouldn't surprise me either. But um, generally, to be a dealer, there's got to be something a bit weird about you. Otherwise, you don't stay in that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't matter shit, how shit hours. Yeah. No tips. Exactly. Yep. Dealing with exactly. with probably the worst side of humanity when it comes to um, respect. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's really something a little bit off about you to start with. Start well, off with. The players are losing. Exactly. That's, yeah. And nobody likes losing money. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, all the dealers realize that they're always winning, so they can get a cut of that action as well. And um, so yeah, stuff are always going to be as dodgy. And I mean, maybe he said that that was the first one they caught in three years because they don't want to put that image out there that everyone's cheating. But I don't know. Maybe legit they've got better standards at, at um, sort of picking that up. Well, that's shit to catch him. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, also like MGM and the big casinos in America, you can't get a job there um, starting from scratch. Like to be a dealer in those casinos, you start off yeah. in the small casinos and they'll go around yeah. and scout yeah. dealers on an Indian reservation and yeah. on, yeah. on a cruise boat or like some little yeah some little off off the strip uh, casino. Uh, it's like the top four clubs in the EPL. They don't they don't train their own players. <laughs> yeah. They just wait to get good at other clubs yeah. and buy. Yeah. So that, that's the way you get to work as a dealer in those. So maybe their scouting methods are a bit more sort of tried and tested, okay. and their their quality of getting people into the place is a lot better. Like Crowns went down, they had an off the street um, baccarat as a first game that. Dealt in mahogany room. They were mahogany only, baccarat off the street, which is fucking ridiculous. So what does that mean? So it means that they were brand new dealers that oh, right, pretty much yeah, first yeah, game. Pretty much, and yeah. also you never get baccarat as a first game because it's where all the high action is. Okay. So generally you get baccarat, uh, you get blackjack or, or maybe roulette because that's where there's more roulette and baccarat tables for the general punter for like ten dollar tables than there are for or the other ones. Casino war these days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, casino war you, they don't pay you for getting that game, so they'll give you them anyway. You get yeah. all the shit games like pontoon and casino war and big wheel and shit like that. So, so what they did is, yeah, they were they were short on on dealers in mahogany. Well, mainly mahogany new. Well, their dealers are the most experienced. They've been around for a long time. So they're always the ones that were more disgruntled because they were getting shafted more and more and more. So their genius idea was, all right, well, we we can just send them down the main floor. We'll get a brand new people off the street and teach them baccarat and put them straight in the mahogany room. Which I mean, maybe they can deal with the game. But when you're being when you're putting people into your VIP area as a customer, 
You expect them to be getting the best service that your yeah, establishment gives. It's not gives. just about cleaning yeah. the cart, it's exactly. about customer service. Yeah. Yeah. And what confidence are they going to have in your establishment if they've got someone firsthand they've ever dealt is in the mahogany room dealing bucker up? Tearing up the cards and throwing them <laughs> back in your face. Exactly. Like, yeah. Fuck you! you know what I mean? <laughs> like, how, many, how many of those deals are going to stay? Not many of them, you know what I mean? So how you say you've got to be a little bit weird to, yeah. to stay there. You were there for 10 years or, or the best part of. Yeah, because yeah. very weird. Yeah. <laughs> How's the progression through from your first day into the high rollers room? Was it like, oh God, I want to be there. That's where the most action is or it's just, well, that's what I'm told to go, fuck it. Um, at the start, you're always nervous as fuck so you want to try and do the least amount of work possible because you've just got no confidence and like, there's yeah. one thing I still that, remember. That's every job. Yeah, yeah. but I still remember the first, the first hand because you go to your training and whatnot, you'll be confident in the training because obviously nothing's at stake. You're playing with fake yeah. chips. But I still remember going to my first table, which is a $10 blackjack on, on a Friday night. So it was pumping, 8 o'clock. Yeah. like Casino. Yeah. I remember just walking to the table and, we were, and these people were just staring at me who were all pissed off because they're losing. I'm like, holy shit, like, this is actually people's money now. Yeah. And like, my hand was shaking, dealing the worst bucker up, worst blackjack ever. But funny enough, one of the guys who was on that table remembered me because we had the same name. And a year later, he's like, I still remember your first hand of, of blackjack you ever dealt. I was like, that was literally my first hand ever. I like, the full stop. He goes, yeah, it's show, man. You're a fucking shit house. <laughs> and he's 100% right because you're so nervous. You're like, I just want to get through this and I want these people to leave so I don't have to do anything and I can just sort of acclimatize and yep. like one or two players will be perfect. But a packed table on a Friday night is not the first hand you want to be dealing of, of anything really. So then from that point, you'll get confident dealing um, blackjack and you're like, all right, I can do this now. And then you're happy to do like the $50 tables and big tables. But then you get bored because... You've done one game for eight hours, so you're like, fuck, I'm going to do something else. Yep. And generally, your next game will be either roulette or baccarat. Um, but I was lucky in Adelaide Casino that they were a small casino, so you got upskilled a lot quicker. And for every major game you upskilled, you get a pay rise as well, up to a limit of three three games. Okay. So you want to be ups- upskilling just to get the pay rise, but also you don't want to be putting yourself Board. out of your depth. Yeah. So I, I got roulette, and then I got baccarat like three months later. So I had a pretty quick progression through them. And once you got the three games, it's, it's heaps easier because you're actually more into what you're doing you're not just dealing that one game and it gets mundane and monotonous and you sort of your customer service suffers because you just can't be fucked doing it anymore and also you have a swing mixed up so that you might do uh, bucker out for an hour then you go into a blackjack table and then onto a roulette table so your night's always coming you're always getting different customers which yeah. always makes a huge difference because no one can be mad at you for too long yeah. you know what I mean and generally you have, your players are generally one game players not many people will go around and play everything generally like one person that's blackjack's the game one person buckrats the game one person roulette's the game but um, the best game to deal from a dealer perspective, like without customers, is roulette because it's the most most action for a dealer they have to do. Like the math is more, you actually have control of the ball and the spin and it's actually a fun game to deal. Okay. It's only the customers are unbearable. So that's what makes it the worst game to deal. It's a free fall. Yeah, it is. Like roulette is a special game because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a contact game and some people don't like being touched or anything like that. And it's the biggest sort of, area you can cheat because there's so much going on and it's that finality of the ball dropping and there's just chaos and then the results there and then there's that slow build up and then more chaos and it's that constant 30 seconds of chaos before you ring that bell that yeah. is just insane that's the hardest to be able to track what's going on um, make sure all the bets are legit because also you got to go and figure out uh, some bets might be just on a split one might be uh, supposed to be a corner that's being pushed across because yeah. people are putting chips everywhere and so you got there's so much you got to do so Without players being cunts, it's a great game. Yeah. So my favorite is always uh, three players on a, on a roulette table having a crack. That's always good. But the hardest part is once those players start doing well, then your table gets slammed. So also with roulette, there's it's the easiest one game that you've got sort of some hand in because they'll always teach you there's four different spins. You've got um, a fast wheel and a fast spin. 
So you'll always rotate from backhand to fronthand when you're spinning the ball. So obviously spin them with your, your hand in front of you, then spin them with your hand in back of you, and they'll go opposite ways. You always rotate, rotate that. And obviously that way you always rotate which way the wheel's going too. And so you've got four different spins, fast wheel, slow spin, slow wheel, fast spin, fast wheel, fast spin, slow wheel, slow spin. Right. And what that is, is when you get to a roulette table, you, you'll practice those to see where generally it's landing, what sections it's landing. Because you don't want your spin to be hitting one section all the time because that shows up on your number tree. Yeah. And then everyone just sees that you're hitting like a zero section and they'll just flood your table. And as a dealer who can't take tips, like you're getting paid the point? same if you're doing nothing or if you're doing something. Yeah. And for me, I like doing nothing. <laughs> that was my forte. <laughs> so I'd always try to kill motherfuckers or roulette unless they were pretty cool. But if they were cool, you'd want to give them some money so you'd try and not, not mix up your spin. So, so you try and give it the same. If you switch that around and say you'd been playing... Uh, dealing where somewhere you were allowed to accept tips. Yeah. What would you do differently? Well, you start trying to hit the same same area, so people start winning because they're going to give you some of their tips. But if people start being rude, then you will start mixing up your spin, so you can like really just flat flat out hammer it and get it to jump around and hit, and cross sections. Yeah. But sometimes luck's just not with you, and it's going to hit the same section no matter what. It's going to do some miracle bounce off of off of you know yeah. a little um, divider, and it's going to land in the same section all the time. There's nothing you can do about that. But they actually train you how to change your spin up so that you take people's money and always teach you to give out as much color as you can because if people got color in front of them, they want to put it out on, on the layout. Like I did a test in Adelaide that because um, people were, were crazy in that they'd always put all their money out the table and then I'd be like, all right, I wonder what happens if I just let everyone put every chip they've got out on the table. I wonder what happens then. And so I did it. I just waited. It would have taken like maybe <laughs> four or five minutes. I waited <laughs> they to. They just kept on putting chips out. They kept on put, they put all the chips out. And then they started moving the chips around until they had <laughs> until they had every number covered. I was oh. like, "Wow, this is like that's the first time where I realized you guys are actually sick. Like, <laughs> you guys have a legit problem." Yeah. Until like the one Indian dude who straight up bet on every single number, every single number. And I'm like, "Dude, uh, you know you can't win like doing that." He's yeah. like, "Shut up." Like, oh. <laughs> he's, right, he's, dude. he's essentially paying the roulette rake. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Yep, yep. So I'm like, all right. But the worst thing was, it was towards the end of the night, and when I shut my table, I can go home. So I've got this motherfucker who's got like two stacks of chips betting on every single number, losing like two <laughs> chips at a time. And I'm just like, holy fuck, this is going to take forever. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, you know, we got rapid roulette down there where you can actually just put your chips out and like press repeat, repeat bet, and it'll put it all on for you. So you don't have to worry about all this messing around. He's like, nah, I like putting the chips out. Like, Damn it, motherfucker. <laughs> so they're the worst players because you can't ever clean them out. You can't ever, you know, they're never going to win. They're never going to lose much. They're just going to hang around and be annoying as shit. Just hanging around. Yeah. And also the good thing with roulette is that you, you can be more passive aggressive because you can either ring the bell or you start calling no more bets a bit earlier. Yep. Or if, if like one chip's touching the corner when it's supposed to be a, a split, you'll be like, well, it pays where it lays. So if yep. that's touching there, whereas someone else would be like, nah, sorry, man, I'll push it across for you. Next time, make sure they're, they're in the right spot or not. But <laughs> no spins are awesome, man, because rule is dangerous with no spins. Like, What's no spins? No spin is when you, you fuck up the spin. So it might not go around enough times. Like, it has to go around three times for it to be a legitimate spin. Oh, okay. Or sometimes okay. You'll, you'll spin it and it'll just fling out the wheel. Yeah. And then everyone's going <laughs> to duck for cover, man. <laughs> so yeah, on, um, on a roulette, the one thing you do is be more passive-aggressive because you've got a bit more leeway because it's more action games. So you, you have to keep your table in, in line. Otherwise, you're fucked. Like, yeah. You've got no chance of, of having control and then hell breaks loose and you get a group think with the players who are against you. Whereas, whereas if you can sort of cut them down a little bit and make sure there's a rule and you're not going to sort of bend to that, then they'll tend to be better at self-regulating what they're doing and, and generally be nicer. Like kindergarten, kindergartners. Literally, it's, sometimes it's, it's like an adult crash. Yeah. Yeah. Kids can go to the movies or something and we'll look after the adults for you. Um, <laughs> but I remember one guy, he was this Italian fellow, he was pretty hammered. 
But um, he was there with his his wife and one of her friends, and his wife was a lovely, like really really nice lady. Like she's sitting um, just behind the perspex uh, for the of the roulette wheel, and she's like, I have a chat like, how's your night, Brent? And I'm like, oh, it's really good. She's like, oh, that's really good. So I was chatting to her while he's playing because he was just you know pretty morose dude and not really up for a chat, losing a little bit of money, but he was just trying to big note himself around the people on the table, and um, I just thought, oh, well, I was just gonna ignore him and you know chat to, yeah. to the ladies and that'll be fine. And anyway. He's, I did one spin and it just rattled a little bit but then it sort of corrected itself and it went around three times and the thing is I can grab the, the ball if I know it's not going around three times but if I if I know it's going around three times I'm not allowed to just grab the ball and go ah oh, no I'll fuck that one up and do it again like, yeah. it has to be a legit spin and so I looked at it I'm like it's going to go around three times so I can't touch it and then he's gone spastic like oh my god that was the fucking shittest spin I've ever seen in my life <laughs> he's like that's fucking bullshit mate and like no, that's, that's a no spin. I'm like, dude, we're around three times. Like, it's not a no yeah. spin. Like, it's a shit spin. Like, I'll give you that. But yeah, I'm sorry, nothing I can do about it. So sort of apologize, whatnot. And then next spin, <laughs> oh <my God>, shit. <laughs> He's like, you fucking doing this on purpose or what, mate? I'm like, nah, dude, it's just like it's just an accident, you know. And like, um, he's like, if you do that again, I'm gonna throw a chip in the wheel. And his wife's like. Don't listen to him, love. He's harmless. You're doing a great job. Like, you're a really nice guy. And I'm like, oh, thank you. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you taking his side? And so, so I got next spin. I looked at him and went, like, he's gone bright red and just giving it to you. My supervisor was this little bitch. She calls Cindy and she comes over. It's like, whispering. She's like, do you want to change tables? I'm like, no, no, I'm <laughs> staying here As, and, until he he would just realise that he can't get it. He can't he can't be a cunt. Have me do what he wants me to do. So I took five other spins until I was just no chip in the wheel. But finally he's gone. All right, all right, you win, you win. <laughs> his wife's going, yeah, he's gone. All right, all right. He realised there's nothing he'd do. Yep. And so he's gone. All right, all right. So he just shut up, chatted to his wife, and then good spins back in there. Yeah, there. yeah. But I mean, there always are some weirdos in there. All right, one dude actually. Yeah, roulette, roulette players are probably where you attract the weirdos because you've got so much space and they can hide behind that perspex and talk to you where you can't get away because you have to go back to your wheel and you have to go do your chip work and things like that. I had one guy, in all earnest, try and tell me that he discovered Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, serious? No, I have. And my supervisor's there as well. And she's like, well, except that you haven't. He's like, no, I have. On paper. She's like, oh. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm a fucking billionaire on, on paper. paper. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just need 60 grand to be able to dig it up, but no one here will give it to me. He's like, uh, dude, if I only took 60 grand, you'd mortgage your house, you'd do whatever yeah. it takes to dig up Atlantis. Like, you fucking weirdo. And another I'm, lady. I always expect at a roulette table, loads of people are going to be pickpocketing each other. It yeah. must happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when people leave their bag and stuff on the table. Like, when we did training, they'll actually show you um, footage of how people will cheat and things like that. And they actually showed us like how people will pickpocket while they're leaning over and um, leaving bags under the table and, and things like that. So yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a dark little corner of a casino or a mm. table. There's all sorts of dodgy shit going on. That's why, and it's because of that last minute chaos of, of the ball dropping and, and uh, the finality of when bets can and can't be placed. You know what I mean? It's not a relaxing game. It's a full on intense, like high, high stress, high drama game. And that creates that the chaos that's required to be able to cheat and do all sorts of shifty shit. Yeah. Um, unlike Baccarat where it's a very sort of low low pace game. Um, everyone's got the time to think about what they're going to bet on and be sure in their bets and whatever. It's not like Bell's going like, ah, oh, I forgot 23. Like It's always sort of a, a very structured game, Baccarat. So when you get as a dealer in Australia, you've got your three games as you did, Blackjack, Roulette and yep. Baccarat. Um, does that mean you're not going to deal any other games? You're not going to move into doing craps? and Generally, yeah. Generally, like they won't wait. Uh, generally, you won't do that because you're not going to get paid for it. So, 
unless you're don't want to go up to a supervisor or, or pit boss or anything like that, then um, you won't have to. But sometimes you'll get those games as a supervisor or, or a pit boss just so you can supervise them. And you've never actually dealt it, but you understand enough of, of the rules right. and be able to do that. But unless it's a small casino where you can actually get a lot more utility out of your, your dealers if they deal more games because there's less staff, so it's more beneficial to be able to organize, yeah. organize swings and things like that if dealers are multi-skilled. But, but generally, you'll do your three and then you'll try and go up to, to supervisor. But at Crown, like it'll take you best part of five years to get three games so right. generally you get two and then try and go supervisor to get the extra money and then get that third game just from being a supervisor not actually dealing yep. and has every supervisor been a dealer uh yeah yep they'll never i've never seen a supervisor hired from another casino like pit bosses yeah maybe uh above that definitely but generally deal supervisors uh consider the same thing more or less yeah um because generally there's not a whole lot of difference between the role i mean the dealer makes the supervisor's job because anything the supervisor has to do is look going through chips and um, do, tracking their float and a good dealer will keep it all in order so that the supervisors know what they're doing. They just come up and just tap at the numbers and that's it. Supervisors generally, you do fuck all. It's like the middle part where the money isn't that, isn't that much greater. Like I think you get an extra $25 a shift as a, as a dealer supervisor. Um, but then as a salaried uh, full-time supervisor, it's not a great deal. I think it's maybe 60 k or something like that. So as a comparison again with the stakes, it would almost discourage dealers from getting promoted because yeah, supervisors are going to get less tips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and for me, like I just it looked boring as shit. Like just walking there, standing at a table, and you think I sit down. So in Buckaroo, you can sit down, you can watch TV, um, and especially since I was in like the high roller areas, I didn't do much work anyway. Like most days, I was walking around and, and got to got to do what I wanted. So I was happy doing that. I never wanted to be supervisor because then I'd have to look after someone else's shitty mistakes <laughs> I'm like I know what I'm doing so I'm, I'm cool just just leave me alone I'm, I'm happy but they always keep trying to promote me um, but you know you, you don't get any of the experiences as, as a supervisor either like a dealer you're sort of on the front line so all the funny shit happens and it's more interesting you know you're more active in what you're actually doing more um, more interactive as well um, and plus you, you just meet all the funny characters because uh, supervisor we walk around they'll look up to four tables and they would be talk to waitresses mainly whereas we had to talk to the players and find all the weirdos I still remember this, this one lady who, she literally had no fingers past the knuckles like they were they were all gone okay. still figured out how to squeeze back right cards <laughs> it's like lady I think you need to learn your lesson like you're done <laughs> that's it I mean I never saw her in thongs so maybe they're gone too <laughs> yeah I guess really that, really helped her ballet though <laughs> so you're saying that um, your, your goal in like the high rollers room was to deal as little as you can mm -hmm. so with the salons how does that work um so it used to be when i first started a salon if the player was in the state that well, salon would be just open. explain like the room so what's a salon compared to the mahogany room oh, a salon will, will literally be a hotel room more or less it's being gutted and turned into a, a gambling area so basically you've got different levels of salons as well so the high rollers they'll be at the top of crown towers which is divided up into two three about four salons um the two big ones on either end which have the pretty much 180 degrees panora panoramic view of either um the ocean or back into the city and that's the fuck you money yeah that's the that. fuck you money and and they'll have a little sort of dossier on them on what games they want to play and what the limits are so that's how we set up before they walk in there on how they want it so mostly for baccarat table for baccarat players they'll have three baccarat tables in there fully staffed with a supervisor on each table pit boss and and dealers and um There'll be like a little lounge area, well, big lounge area. Yeah. There'll be TVs behind the Baccarat table. Pretty much, you can see a TV from every every table, more yeah. or less. Um, there'll be like dining room as well, and um, really shit art. 
like the ones in in Crown are really done in bad taste because like they they obviously outsource to not, not as bad as a pack of dogs sitting around playing poker, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know. That. I don't know. That would be a lot, probably worth a lot more in the salons than any of the artwork they got in there. <laughs> but um, they they were done by designers who weren't gamblers, so that was like this is great from a design pers- perspective, but yeah. not at all what any of our clients wanted. And even like our biggest player, uh, Mister X, who we, we talked about before, one, one of the salons that he had, they had um, when you walk straight into the door, there's a little divider, so you can't open the door and see what's going on. And as that as the divider, it was just all these um, metal circles, so maybe maybe about three inches uh, in diameter and just linked together so it looked like looked like handcuffs all put together and he hated it so he literally made them put a, a, a sheet over it for the whole oh, time actually. he's there yeah <laughs> so the designers come in and he's like so oh, yeah so how's the how's the thing going and he's looked at this sheet over his big feature little divider and he's gone what's this about and he fucking hates it that's why and he's like oh really that's bullshit that's why they call it fuck you money yeah and even down the hallway it looks horrible it was a really bad bad design place so I bet uh, dogs playing poker the painting how much do you reckon it's worth uh, as a as the original piece of artwork yeah yeah not, no not, idea, not, not the $40 print uh, it sold two years ago for $590,000 I just thought I'd Google that just have a look wow yeah so it's nearly oh. 600k worth yeah okay I was expecting a bit more to be honest yeah I thought, it, well it's a famous painting if, if I've heard of it it must be famous yeah yeah. I mean, it's, not, it's probably not called a pack of dogs sitting around <laughs> it's, it's called a bold bluff oh, really? is it there you go yeah, there you go well, yeah, no idea no idea so, do people um, book out the salons for their own parties, or they want anonymity as an individual? What is it um, mainly? It, it, it goes both ways. There are some people that they want everyone to know that they're the high roller. So they'll they'll have a salon, but then they'll walk around the the main floor of mahogany, betting like uh, betting their plaques. Yeah. Because you can have uh, if you're a high roller, if you have your own salon, you can have a personal differential. So instead of uh, playing to the table differential, you've got a little sign that says personal limit. Yeah. And you just put it in front of your chips and you can go to any table and play your limits on any table. So there are some that just like to big note themselves like that. But the real big players, yeah, they want the anonymity because they're really important in their home country and they don't want people who are obviously all of them love gambling. So they're going to definitely run into someone they know. So they recognize all faces. Yeah, exactly. And you'll, you'll see a lot of people who are uh, from the same country will generally get to know each other just from playing their own little circuit. So it might be Macau, it might be Australia, it might be... Uh, uh, a lot of them play at Bellagio as well so generally those run into each other enough that they're like alright so he's in the same boat as me so that'll be their friends yeah. and so they'll generally be able to swap in and out of each other's salons so let's say if Mr X was playing there's another guy um, we'll call him Mr Bao he, he was allowed to come in and play anytime he wanted in his salon like he expressly said that and so ah so these salons aren't something that I'm going to rent for the weekend oh yeah no, this no, no, salon's no. something that somebody owns oh no 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 they're invite only rooms so, okay. so you can't actually rent them out. You bring them up and say, I'm coming over. Um, and generally, how much money you're bringing will determine if they're going to offer you a salon or not. Right. So if it's a first-time player coming over, they got some cash, they'll offer them the best salon. So um, that's obviously going to be the introduction. The next time they come, they're going to give them a, the salons a bit down, and they're obviously going to kick up a sting and be like, why? And it's like, well, this person's here, and you're betting this much money. And obviously, they understand <laughs> that. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, the salon's empty. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 exactly. So there's definitely that incentive for them to get up to that level, because all of them most of it's about ego that's what made dealing easier is realizing that these people just wanted the ego strokes and so you can just pretty much bullshit them and make your day a whole lot easier if they think they like you but that involves putting your ego aside you know what I mean so I had no problem with that because I didn't want to have to do much work and I just didn't like being abused so anything I could do to have an easy shift that was the goal that was just number one priority was how do we have the easiest shift we could possibly have today 
So stand-ons were easy because you either got kicked out or you didn't, you know. So you either dealing good and you stayed there or you kicked out and you just had to walk around and wait until another dealer got kicked out of a different salon and then you jump in there. I feel like there's a book in the making here. Yeah. How can I make this shift as easy as possible? <laughs> yep. A guide to retail workers. <laughs> the, the, the idiot's guide to casino employees. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, it transcends casinos. I think any retail job, any first job. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. I mean, I mean if I could be bothered, I'd definitely get a book. But I need a... <laughs> I'm so lazy, I'm not fucking writing that. Yeah. <laughs> we need a ghostwriter. We'll just give them these four episodes of family stories and see what they can come up with. It's a catch-22. I'll, yeah. I'll sign it and just uh, take, the, take the money out of it. Um, but yeah, some so, dealers get sick of it. Yeah. So whilst you never worked for tips, obviously being a dealer in Australia, did you never think that you wanted to take your skills somewhere else overseas? Uh, I did think about it, and that's why I looked at Vegas, and that's how I found out that you have to do the shit casinos first, and then they yeah. recruit from there. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I ain't going back to the shit <laughs> casinos, man. Fuck that. Um, but that was the main place I looked. I didn't look at, um, at Southeast Asia because uh, I didn't trust it, to be honest. I don't know how it works, and I'm guessing conditions. If they, we got treated bad here, I'm guessing yeah. Southeast Asia, yeah, you're not going to be valued too much better. Um, but we, there's heaps of... Uh, well, Crown owned some casinos in Macau as well, so there's lots of crossover staff going there. But I was never interested in going to Macau. If I want to go anywhere, it would be Vegas. Like, I'd be right in the heart of it. Yeah. Doing um, that as if you're a poker dealer, though, that's, they're always desperate to find poker dealers uh, um, during during World Series time. Oh, okay. yeah. Not because of the World Series necessarily, but because every other poker room's getting packed and all yeah. their dealers yeah. are getting pulled over to yeah. WSIB. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's something that you could definitely look into. I'm not sure how that works. Um, I didn't look into it that much because I didn't have poker. Poker was one of the games that I wanted to get, but I already had my three games when I went oh, to yeah. went to Crown. So I just didn't have an opportunity to be able to learn it. If I was going to learn it, I had to learn it as a supervisor. And generally, you divide it up into either you're pro- progressing through Mahogany Room or you're progressing through Poker Room. They're the yep. two sort of major major avenues you go because they're so separately run that generally you have a separate set of staff. There's not much crossover between Mahogany and um, and poker unless it's for like poker events and things yeah. like that it certainly flies in the face of your let's see how little I can do today exactly yeah well. yeah. but it was just it would have been cool to do poker because it wasn't so much as them against you yeah. so you yeah. could be a bit more of an observer as opposed to being the one that everyone called a cunt <laughs> 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 but um, some, some players some dealers just they'll, they'll realise that they don't want either they just want to be on the main floor dealing with the plebs and, and not have to deal with any sort of they don't want to have to pretend to be nice you know what I mean okay, especially yeah. since we don't take tips if you, don't, if you don't want to be nice, you don't have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can do whatever you want. You know, you're still getting paid the same. But I remember, I had one of my friends, he was in, this is the last, last shift he dealt in the mahogany room. He was doing the back right table and there's one dude that was just being a real arsehole and he was playing between two tables and um, uh, he just had enough of him and so he's called no more bets and the guy's come back and um, he's going, what? You call no more bets? You don't want to be bet anymore? And he's like, oh, oh, sorry. I didn't realize you were playing this table. This guy's going, you motherfucking cunt. I think he was gay as well, and like the, the deal was gay. And he's called him a motherfucking faggot, and so he's gone, "All right, fuck this." And so next hand, he waited for him to put his bet on, puts his bet down, picks it up, throws it on the table, goes, "No more bets." He <laughs> 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 got the cards. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the Duke had played. He's gone. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> that was his last shift up there. <laughs> That'll be worth it. Yeah. Do you have any uh, designs to uh, going out in a blaze of glory with your last shift? Yeah, I did think about it, but um, nothing bad happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> generally, I got treated pretty nice in the mahogany room because I wasn't a total cunt to the players. And, and it must be different in the mahogany room too because you're going to see the same faces back. You know, exactly. Bit you know in short term or long term. Yeah. Whereas on the main floor, it's yeah. one and done. And also, I had ambitions outside of that place, and a lot of the high roller gambles in there are pretty important outside of that place. So it's always, yeah. you know, you've got to consider what bridges you're willing to burn and, and who you really know that's in there. 
maintained any contact with any... Well, I know there was one person that gave you their business card. Oh, oh Bob Hawke did, yeah. Oh, oh, Bob, yeah. 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 I don't think, I don't know if he remembers that one now because a while ago. His memory's going, going too well. Um, I, not not on, in a, on official terms, but I still see some around and like you recognise each other so you still give each other a nod, but in public you generally don't Acknowledge it unless they acknowledge it first. Yeah, because they don't want you to, they, to be outed as gamblers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I've had, I've been walking through the supermarket before and just been walking down an aisle, and someone's walked down the way and then gone, "How's your day going?" And kept on walking and just give me a wink. And you're like, "The fuck?" And you look around, and you're like, "Ah, oh, gambler." And they're yeah. with, their, with their family, and whatnot, but they still want to go out and say hello. Yeah. So it's like they don't want to be rude, but they don't want you to bust them in front of the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, that's where the money's going. They still like that. Ah, oh, I know yeah. something. And, yeah. You know. But especially eating in restaurants. Like you go to restaurants and like the owner, yep, see him in Crown. Yeah, but okay. a lot of time, it's not because they're, they're not so much as an addicted gambler. It's because uh, they just want to put some money over there and claim it without having to put it through their, the register and put, pay tax <laughs> on it. So I always was a bit curious that some were closed on a, on a certain day that uh, was really busy usually. You know? Right. Like some, some, some Sunday restaurants that are shut on Sundays. It's like, it's usually a pretty busy day. But um, you can go to the casino on Sunday and it's generally pretty quiet. So... <laughs> Easy to turn over your money and uh, not put that through the register. That's why some of the, the cash only, no FPOS. You're like, ah, yeah, that's what's oh, going on here. I think that's one of the most well-known scams going around. Yeah, especially exactly. in Melbourne, the restaurant yeah. that doesn't take credit cards. Like, yeah, yeah, you're not paying tax. Exactly, especially when like, you recognise the owner yeah. <laughs> at the table. You're like, eh, your restaurant's not that big. <laughs> there was a restaurant in uh, Glen Waverley that we used to go for lunch all the time. Yeah, and everyone knew it was like the service was shit. Yeah, but the food was really cheap and decent enough. Yeah, and like, no credit cards. And then yeah. they, they got done for um, health violations. Oh, really? And everybody knows, it's like, all right, pro- the health violations are probably there, but they've targeted them because they don't take cash. Yeah. And their workers, they're not being paid. They, yeah. They're yeah. being paid cash too, yeah. certainly. And then I remember like it was in the paper that they got done for the health violations. And all of us at work, we went, oh, well, lineup's going to be easier. <laughs> it's like, it, it it's not going to yeah. stop us from going there. We didn't get sick. Exactly. Well, but, that's how I judge my... Because my missus is Viet Heritage, so... That's how I judge a good Viet restaurant, like a good pho restaurant or something, is that I have a look in there. It has to be the dodgiest looking one with no white people. Yep. And I can guarantee you that's some yeah. of the best shit you will, you'll yeah, get. Yeah, And yeah, I don't mind the, the roaches or anything else, but that's generally my, my yardstick. But since the last five years or so, obviously access to Southeast Asia has become a whole lot cheaper. More people have gone, so they know what to expect with authentic yeah. food. So they're starting to cotton onto it, so it's kind of ruined my ability to be able to just stereotype a restaurant from the outside. But understand that you ruined it for every other white person because they look in the window and see you as a white guy. <laughs> yeah, you go, exactly. can't be here, there's a white guy in there. Yeah, and especially since I'm the token white guy with the group of Asians <laughs> as well. So they're like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah. But it's funny when you see the other token token white guy because you sort of know each other's situation. You're like, all right, well, we've got fuck all conversation here, so give each other a little bit of nod. <laughs> it's like the, the blokes holding the handbags out the front of the changing rooms. Like, exactly, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. The first sort of, uh, I don't know, witchery or something that gets a PlayStation there, fucking gold mine. Yeah. <laughs> that would make me want to go, well, not want to go shopping, but tolerate going they shopping. They need a bar. They yeah. need a bar. A bar, yeah. These, these places yeah. need a bar and a comfortable chair because they've always got one chair outside the change rooms. And yeah. You, yeah. There's a fucking great queue of women to, waiting to get in. You go there and they go, oh, fuck, some cunt's in the chair. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what am I going to do? Hang, ar- hang around the laundry section and worry yeah. about people staring at me. I, if I they had a bar... Be fine. Shop all day, sweetheart. Exactly. Put the sport on the telly and a bar and a beer. Yep. Take your time. Nah, try something else. <laughs> I, um, I I do remember pitching that actually as an idea for, at a, a company we used to work at, where there was the the baby show or the kids and baby. 
exhibition at the exhibition center expo that's the word i was after and i said what we should do is just set up a bar and then while they're talking we'll go oh well here's a flyer about about us (laughs) got knocked back but as i expected but the idea would have been fun i still like it yeah (laughs) i mean the baby expo i mean you know the bloke's going to be there the wife's going to be pregnant or whatever Yep. And, or his girlfriend as well. And he's had enough of her, so he's, <laughs> he's chomping a bit for a drink. He doesn't need to see which nappies they're going to get. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I haven't to go through that yet. It'll come. Yep. <laughs> it's a trap, isn't it? That's what they say. Um, God, I was going somewhere with that as well. Um, do you know which restaurant I was talking about? Down Glenway. Have you been down there much? Yeah, a few times. Which one are you talking about? Ramen. Uh, yeah, no now, worries. Now it's called Dumpling Kingdom or something. Okay. So it's legit. It's gone legit now. But oh, that back, was the cash only? That was the cash only one. Yeah. <laughs> you could, like, we'd go there as a group of five or six and you'd be full and there'd be food left on the table and it'd be eight bucks each. Yeah. Now they've come back, it's legit. They take credit cards and they've cleaned it up and they've got proper staff and it cost you $13. <laughs> so around the corner, the illegit one will still be popping up. Must be somewhere <laughs> yeah, there. there was always one somewhere. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's the same owners. Under new management, you're like, yeah, it's the missus instead of the bloke. Yeah, exactly. And then she's fucked off with the whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so when are you going to get back to the poker tables, Rockstead? It's been a long time. Has. I'm trying to remember. The last time I played at Crown was years. Um, so, yeah, I reckon I only played once or twice last year. Because it was the last time I was at your place. Yeah, probably a year ago. Home games are a pain in the ass to organise. So. Yeah, they. Uh, unless you're doing it every month. Yeah, and you've yeah. got a reliable group yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were the best times I had at poker. Was um, you know the Friday night games? We played two to three a month, yeah. and it was the same blokes. And we just it's up in Sydney. Yeah, I, I, in in Sydney, and I was playing with a bunch of Turks and Greeks, um, and all I was the youngest one there, and I was probably twenty eight, twenty nine, and most of them are closer to forties or you know there. So it was, it was a great mob, and there was once or twice where somebody got aggro. And usually it was just they got aggro and they went, oh, fuck it, I'm going home. And then they rock up next week, nothing happened. Yeah. Like, uh, they're the best kind of games. And they're the games where you can have your stupid stuff like we spoke about it before, yeah. where you know, the guys betting, raising, checking and folding all in the dark. <laughs> yeah, pop <laughs> hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to have fun like that. And we used to play, um, uh, we called it Africans and Indians because we like being racist. Um, <laughs> so if it was an all black, like it was going to be, there's three cards on the flop because we're always playing Hold'em. Yep. Yeah. Um, if there's two reds, then that's Indians. If there's two blacks, then it's Africans. And you bet red or black. And if it's three, then it doubles. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, that was... Two the, up. Yeah, yeah, essentially. That's, so that's what we used to do all the time. Um, and then I couldn't believe it, five, six years later, that's actually an option at Crown on the poker table. Not so anymore. Like, they Not got anymore. rid of that. It, it had to be an all-single-colour flop. Oh, um, right. So it wasn't just two to one. But they, they did put it in at Crown for a wee while. Um, but then they changed it for another increase in the rake yeah. um, for the jackpot drop. Um, yeah. What I do do with a couple of friends down, down there, or one guy in particular, we each have a card in the deck. Yep. And if your card is on the flop, it's five bucks. Yep. Um, if your card is paired, so my, my card's king of hearts. If there's another king on the flop or the turn or the river, then it's ten bucks. If there's a third king, it's 20. And if all four kings are on the board, it's 50. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, it's good fun. Um, and but and his, his card's the same, so, you, you know, you, you're moving five bucks back and forward frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you sort of semi-celebrate. Hey, get exactly. in there, come on, the king <laughs> yeah. and all the rest of it. Most, half the dealers don't know what's going on. Um, a quarter of the dealers 
know what's going on but ask you to keep a little bit quiet yeah. and subsequently you end up playing if you just sat next to each other rather than the other end of the yeah. table and a quarter of the dealers will say ah, none of that yeah. none of that none of that because yeah. they're not obviously getting a rake from it yeah. or, or the supervisors over their shoulder yeah, yeah. why yeah. I like that one or doing that uh, playing live is because I, I find it hard to pay attention long enough on, online playing especially because right. you're playing for six hours or something especially playing tournaments or you're playing cash games for, for a night whereas I find if you're doing those sort of side prop bets it keeps me uh, entertained by the action going on so I actually yeah. pay attention to what's going on and, and I'll be more in the game whereas I tune out for playing online which is something that I've got to really work on and I um, end up doing something else than just playing bad really bad poker you know what I mean yeah, if, I, if I'm in a hand with my mate and I've got the king of hearts he's not necessarily in the hand but um, I've got the king of hearts on the flop and I've got six seven and the flop might be king eight deuce yeah, um, yeah. and someone bets into me I call just because I want to see if there's another king eight <laughs> <to start laughing. laughs> Throw 50 I bucks. need to see another card I need to see another card <laughs> well you've got to put that into your odd calculations as well <laughs> now this guy doesn't realise but I'm actually getting two to one on this call <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I love those side bets because I mean, essentially, poker is boring. It takes yeah. hours. It was Norman Chad, wasn't it? That said um, poker is hours of boredom interspersed with brief moments of excitement or something oh, like of that. extreme yeah. terror. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you got to do those little things, and that's why, like online poker, like, I used to play daily online yeah. poker back in the day before you know all the scandals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was I'd be I'd have you know YouTube up in one corner watching something, and then two maybe three tables in the other yeah. half of the screen playing but I can't do it anymore like online poker it's just hasn't yeah. it's not the same well, legislation was passed this week to finish online poker in Australia I, I really? remember you saying yeah. it was coming yeah. so there's got to be another way to do it yeah. Um, but yeah I do like the, the social aspect is what you need to it as well yeah, yeah. I agree um, yeah. somebody's got to be you know misquoting rounders yeah. um, for it to be a proper game <laughs> Is it amazing yeah. that all these years on, like, Rounders is still the poker movie? It is. The archetypal poker movie. Yeah. Absolutely. There's been so many attempts to do the next one and make yeah. it bigger and better. And like, nope. But it wasn't, like, the other ones, as people who play poker, you weren't like, oh, they understand what, what we go through. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are poker players. It's like, Rounders was that. Whereas there was a shit one with Ben Affleck, there was a shit oh. one with Eric Banner, and what was the other Lucky, Lucky You. Lucky Eric you. Banner, yeah, that something horrible. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you know what one on the flip side was the movie Croupier with um, Daniel uh, not Daniel Craig the f- oh god the skinny guy yeah he was in um, he was in Sin City fuck what is he British fella um, no idea uh, oh, I can see anyway yeah he um, he did, they did a movie with him and it was really sort of true to the aspect of what you go through as a dealer is working night shift and the relationships you have but that was about getting a scam going on it's obviously it's blown out of proportion but was you actually watched it you're like ah oh, they've actually got a consultant here who's actually been through it and done it yeah. and you know it's actually legit and the interesting thing with that one is they had um, uh, the start and the finish was just well the start was these card tricks done from the angle of on top of just two uh, two hands and it was showing like these different ways to, to cheat then on the back end of the movie they showed it from underneath on a glass table yeah. so you could see how he's doing all those cheating it was fucking really handy Clive Owen Clive Owen that's yeah, the one okay. yeah yeah Yep. Um, speaking about the card tricks, there was uh, on Netflix. I saw a, a doco on uh, Ricky Jay. Do you know Ricky Jay? No, I don't know Ricky Jay. You, you, I reckon you'll know him if you see him. He's okay. the looks like the old Texas gambler, but he's got you know the goatee beard and he's a magician. But uh, he's, where's he, he from? Vegas. He's okay. Yeah, or he's probably not Vegas. He's probably from Missouri. But but he's a yank. Yeah, he, yeah. he's American, and he was in uh, he's in Deadwood actually. Oh, really? He's because uh, I've just recently watched Deadwood again. <laughs> he's the uh, at the the gem. No, not the gem. What's the other saloon called? The Bella Union. Right. 
he's the dealer there but anyway his card tricks is amazing yeah he's a but you, on the um, the documentary, you get, you gets to see how he does all, some of his tricks. He yeah. doesn't give away the good ones, but yeah, um, yeah, I just love those ones. Like I, to be able to do a proper card trick. Yeah. So the, the other guy that's very good at that is a Scottish guy that was uh, in the the series of the original Hustle or something. Oh, oh the, yeah. the real Hustle. The real yeah. Hustle. That's yeah, it. Yeah. The Scottish guy there. He's very yeah, very good at those things as well. That was yeah. a good show because you put me onto Hustle, and I still believe Hustle is one of the most underrated series out yeah. there because it's British, so not many people have got over to it. Like, yeah. The, the thing I find funny with watching those um, sort of videos of people who are excellent at sort of stacking decks and, and cheating yeah. is that everyone thinks that oh yeah if I learn how to cheat I'll be, able to, I'll be able to do it until you realise how they do it you're like shit it takes skill and <laughs> well, how much practice yeah. yep exactly it's, it's even chip tricks yeah it's a start yeah it's a start of that but well, that's that that book I don't think I ever lent it to you because I did your favourite it's called um, (laughs) it's written by Penn Jillette but it's not written by Penn Jillette it's written by a bloke he knows and it's called How to Cheat Your Friends at Poker Ah, and it's a friend of his apparently that uh, was a a road gambler and a cheat and he goes through this is how I cheat and do and he says exactly that he's like alright now you know how to do it do that another hundred thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. That's how. You, that's the secret. Is you practice it an unbelievably amount of times. But he goes through. You know, I do this and I'll do that and I'll do that. And then sometimes I just steal the kitty. Like yeah. that's how you cheat. Yeah. You steal. <laughs> um, but in the back of the book, he has an odds table because you know, like any poker player knows, you know, the chances of hitting probabilities. And, yeah. yeah, and it has all the the probabilities there. And then in the final column, it says probability for cheating: hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just that's, that's right. Yeah, I do remember reading that book. That was a pretty decent book, actually. Yeah. I, I thought it was, it was pretty awful, some parts of it. But, uh, yeah. uh, again, well, you don't know how much the truth is in it. But well, that's true as well. Yeah. It's interesting. What side? What you watched any vlogs from Vegas? There's an increasing number of vloggers. Are there? Video I, bloggers. Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, so the first one of any note was a fella called Trooper. He's been going for a while, and he puts one out every week. And it's you know, essentially the story of his daily life. So it becomes become a little bit boring, but trying to grind a living playing poker. Yep. Um, and there's more and more behind him now that have become really good. So there's a guy called Andrew Nimi, okay, um, probably about five ten player, yep. mainly five ten player in the Blasio, um and elsewhere. And he is genuinely interesting. Talks through, it films a little bit at the table. Yeah. Um, yep. Talks through his hands and his thought processes and his reads on the villain and why he should, why he's done X and why he's done Y, um, and and it's they're fantastic. Negreanu is now a few of the pros have started yeah. jumping on board behind it, but Andrew Nimi is absolutely superb. From okay. a, for, if you're interested in what um, a Las Vegas poker player's life is a like, grinder, yeah. uh, a grinder's life, mm. um, he's brilliant. Um, yeah, absolutely, fun. highly recommend. I'll definitely watch that. Yeah, because I'm interested. Uh, obviously, I'm interested in that sort of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you would. Yeah. Um, we're a bit over two hours unless you've got any other stories going well I reckon no two hours is enough um, we've done alright I'll save some for another one for, yeah I'm going to yeah. say we'll see you again in, in 12 months time yeah. <laughs> sounds good alright thanks again Ducks cheers Thank Brent. planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.